For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. There could well be a a legal challenge now to uh, the eviction moratorium, which kicks in on the 1st of November, runs to the 31st of March. And the papers talk of it today. The Mail this morning says buying time on housing. The eviction ban is to last until April Watch out for possible legal challenges to it. Um, Of course, what we really need is more and more houses to be built urgently. I don't see anybody talking about upping the targets that they... uh that they plan with regards to building houses or giving more planning permission or rezoning more land. I did see something about developers wanting to do more deals with farmers and pay them slightly above the rate for acreage just to get housing built. Um, But tenants who willfully do not pay their rent or tenants who damage the property will still be liable for eviction under a notice to quit during the period. So we knew that yesterday. Um, you know, you, you just can't uh, engage in antisocial behaviour and withhold rent and damage property saying, ah, you know, I've got nothing to worry about until April next year. Eviction notice can still be served for that. But tenants who have already received notice, and this is one that I really want to clarify yesterday, tenants who have already received notice to quit orders will also be protected by the new legislation, uh, which is very good in the sense that people who have had a clock ticking on them uh, and I talk to them all of the time. God knows I could do it every day if I wish to. People who are counting on the clock on eviction have nowhere to go, at least until the 31st of March. That's safe. And the papers deal with it in quite so much, quite an amount of detail uh, this morning. Uh, undoubtedly, this has to get across the line legally before it comes into force. Um, the echo this morning. Apparently, there's been um, a Garda conference at the Maryborough Hotel for the past couple of days. Well, actually, it was the National Bus and Rail Union Conference, I should say at which Gardaí were present in the shape of the Garda Representative Association. I'll come back to, the, back to this in a few minutes' time, but the GRA are calling for more Gardaí uh, on Kent station platforms and possibly even aboard trains. And they're saying it needs to happen now. I won't say much more about it because I'll be talking with the GRA in a few minutes' time. It's an inside page story because of antisocial behaviour at Kent station and indeed on trains, but I think not just trains as we've seen in the past, because there also needs to be a protection of bus drivers and uh, buses and bus passengers. As an example, actually, of the carry-on on trains, really, when you read the court reports uh, on a daily basis, when people are going down uh, for, for, you know, being dealers themselves, a lot of the time, the dealers are even addicts, and they use the Dublin to Cork train to collect their heroin or whatever in Dublin, bring it back down to Cork and, and sell it. Actually, there is a story of one of Cork's main heroin dealers who's been taken out of the frame yesterday. The court was told that this individual, um, uh, John O'Leary from Churchfield, uh, was regarded as one of the main suppliers of heroin in Cork City. The Echo Report says this morning that he... Um, he was on bail when he was found with more than €20,000 worth of heroin at his home. In fact, when they went in, they found um, 22 grand's worth of heroin, uh, €1,665 Euro in cash, electronic scales. Um, he was lying in the bed when the guard had searched the premises. Um, he had his sentence reduced uh, a little in court yesterday by the judge because he um, is uh, seriously ill, apparently. Um, and the paper this morning says that the sentence was reduced because he has cancer. Um, uh, instead, he was given uh, a sentence of nine years imprisonment uh, with the final two suspended. But the reason I mention it is because uh, the drug dealing and heroin dealing on Lee said, but he did, uh, he did say that he would return from Dublin every two or three weeks with heroin. 
of various valuations. So it's an interesting one. I'll come back to it a little later on. Story also that was mentioned yesterday was the result uh, delay for junior cert. Um, again, it was due to a lack of teachers. Uh, I don't know whether it was a lack of teachers or a lack of teachers who actually wanted to mark the junior cert papers over the summer. I mean, they would have been paid for it, but still they couldn't get the uptake. So it took, it's still, it's five months junior cert students would be waiting five months since they actually sat the exam and that's awful I mean that's just very very shabby in that regard in the modern tech fast paced society that we live in there's a lot of stories related to health particularly the health of our children um, and different angles to it make the papers today like the amount of calories that toddlers and children are getting from unhealthy snacks we, we don't need to be told that because it's you know it's it's as plain on the nose of your face that uh, the more sugar or biscuits or chocolates or soft soft drinks or savory snacks or junk food that you eat the heavier and fatter you will become again the f word which apparently is banned anyway these days so junk food i suppose is the way to put it um, and the younger they are of course the more impact it has on children so the papers this morning talk about that um, and the total intake of um, you know fat and added sugar particularly between children aged between 2 and 12. Um, and as they get older, the uh, sugar intake and the junk food intake gets higher and higher. And one of the issues now, apparently, with regards to what children are eating, is leading to an increase in tooth decay, which is on the rise. Um, and a lot of it has to do with even, not just going to the shop or the supermarket or treats when you're out, but it's what, what adults and parents are putting into children's lunch boxes. So one of the papers this morning, the Mail, gives kind of sweet, you know, sweet, sweet, healthy alternatives and they talk of low fat yogurt or fruit or raisins or popcorn uh, trail mix you know frozen fruit popsicles um, fruit smoothies and, and dates I, I i was always told that dried fruits weren't good for you that the fresh ones uh, are but uh, the dried raisins or the trail mix and the fruit and nut packs I was told to avoid all that kind of stuff so it's interesting they would regard those as as healthy treats papers also um uh, the Times UK talks about and, and this is from certainly from generations gone by where we were all told that we had to clean our plate finish your dinner I mean you wouldn't tell an adult to finish their dinner you know you'd never tell a grown up um, you know you can't leave the table until you finish your entire dinner but we do it to children or at least it used to be the case years ago and they're saying that that isn't necessarily a good thing that strict parents strict parents could have fatter children um, because they say the children with strict parenting never actually develop an ability to control their own appetite. It's, it's rather confusing. They, they say that strict parents with regards to the food that you eat and finishing your plate and all this kind of thing lead to overweight and more overweight than lax parents. So it's very confusing, isn't it? That, you know, like trying to rear children these, with, these days with the amount of variety in food. Anyway, the team said that, um, de- like deny very tr- strict parents, finish your dinner. You can't have snacks interferes with the natural self-regulation of appetite. And then apparently they're saying the children then end up comfort eating uh, when they're free of their parents' control. Like if you can never have sweets or chocolate in the home or you never go to McDonald's or whatever, when you're away from your parents or you're on a sleepover or staying with somebody else or away for a weekend, you just hoover everything and anything in sight. And they claim that it's unhealthy with regards to what you eat and when you actually eat it. I see Leo Varadkar made the papers as well. I was watching this yesterday. I thought it was very funny. He gave a photograph of the inside of his fridge. And I remember looking at it saying, oh my God, 
he's got no lids. He's got no lids on the food. I mean, the cross-contamination in that fridge is just going to be off the scale. And then everybody started to pile in. Where are the lids on your food? I was just, I was just amazed that inside Leo Varadkar's fridge, all of the food for every day of the week and every meal is already prepared by his partner, Matt. He's a mighty man, is Matt. And in there, all sorts of lovely food as well. He's got sausages in there and eggs and ham and pancakes, all in plastic containers uh, with no lids on. And apparently the Food Safety Authority then came out and said, you got, you got to put lids. He had lids. He just took them off for the photograph. He had to go back online then again and do another photograph of all of the food on all of the shelves in the fridge with the lids back on. <laughs> you just can't win. I see Meghan Markle makes the papers this morning, this morning as well. And I kind of understand what she talk, talks about when she talks about objectifying women who are only used for their good looks. But I think there would have been an awful lot of struggling actors and actresses wouldn't have mind the gigs that she got in early life. But she said that she was objectified in her earlier career for her looks when she was on a game show called Deal or No Deal. She said it made her feel like a bimbo. And all of the papers have picked up on that one this morning because she's got a podcast going at the moment with uh, Paris Hilton. It's an interestingly titled podcast. It's called Breaking Down the Bimbo. For those of you that are looking towards Christmas, many are looking north of the border because apparently that's where the bargains are. Uh, unfortunately, all too often at Christmas time, price comparisons will show that a lot of bargains are available on Amazon.co.uk as well. But I suppose trying to shop local, if at all possible, is the way to go. But there's fierce savings, apparently, according to the Mirror this morning, being made north of the border uh, because of sterling and what have you. There are always deals north of the border, I suppose. And the papers also this morning tell us that if you go around saying that you have a bit of OCD, you are doing a serious disservice to people who actually do have OCD. A lot of us say it. Ah, Jess, have a touch of OCD about that. But apparently it is... uh, Not nice to be saying that for people who actually do. So, if you count paving slabs as you walk, or if, like I, insist on the television volume always being at an even number, don't ask me why I do it, but it's got to be a 10 or a 12 or 14, 13 and 15 will never do with the volume. That's not OCD. That is just a quirky habit. Um, So you need to stop thinking that it is. Uh, It does not qualify these kind of things as obsessive compulsive disorder because they don't significantly impact or affect your day-to-day life that real OCD issues do. So OCD is a a common mental health condition where people get obsessions, intrusive thoughts, unwanted images in their head, distressing urges, compulsions, um, and that can be, uh, you know, that, like for instance, repeatedly checking switches, incessantly washing hands, um, hoarding, um, rituals that go on all day and your whole life is controlled by them. That's real OCD. So we need to think twice before we say we have a touch of OCD. Cork's number one talk show, The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. I mean, I don't mean to make light of it, but there are the, some of the things that, you know, I mean, I, I, I am a demon for the, the television volume. I wonder if anybody has there examples of that that would be just deemed quirky habits as opposed to OCD. Text 086-8104-106 on that one. Uh, the phone lines are open. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just quickly, can I also congratulate Cove, or sorry, 
crikey, I'll get into trouble over this. Yall man, Aaron Hill, who pulled off a major shock by knocking last year's world championship finalist, Judd Trump, out of the Northern Ireland Open overnight. In fairness to him, Trump is the world number two. And the 20-year-old Aaron Hill put paid to him last night. He's an incredible young fella. I spoke to his dad uh, last year about the time and the effort they invested in him. He's gone places, lads. He's a great snooker player and put in years and years of practice and it's certainly paying off for him. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 To the story that I mentioned a little while ago, the National Bus and Rail Union had a two-day conference in the Maryborough Hotel in Cork and representatives of the NBRU were there, buses and train were there, but so were the Garda Representative Association and the former GRA president, Damien McCarthy, had words there uh, over the past couple of days, particularly with regards to Kent Station and the Cork-Dublin return train. Um, he joins me before. There are other issues involving the force which we'll also deal with, but let's start with that. So good morning, Damien. Good morning. You are saying, uh, or at least the GRA is saying, that there should be um, some kind of protection now for passengers and staff on trains and also on the platform. Why? How bad is it? I think, uh, firstly, I I heard firsthand from the NBRU conference the type of difficult challenges that bus uh, and train drivers are having in the recent past. And I think there's been a a massive societal change in terms of the level of abuse and violence uh, that is being directed at uh, bus drivers uh, and in and around the confines of bus stations. I think it cannot go uh, unnoticed. And I think the NBRU are quite right uh, in looking for extra resources to tackle antisocial behaviour. But I think as a result of the discussion we had at the conference and hearing firsthand uh, from bus drivers, uh, literally shocked and appalled. Can you tell us what they were saying? Because we we weren't there. So what were the stories like? Uh, as part of the debate and an open panel discussion we had with some local politicians and representatives from, from uh, the government parties in relation to antisocial behaviour, we heard firsthand uh, fr- from bus drivers uh, and train drivers in relation to, to the type of abuse um, that they're experiencing and, and coming under attack. We heard from a bus driver, she was on a route from uh, Cork City to Carrigaline, uh, and a number of youths came on the bus and they actually threatened her with rape and yeah. sexual assault. Yeah. I mean, that's an appalling circumstance. And I think it shouldn't be seen as an occupational hazard for a bus driver to be tolerating that kind of behaviour. Certainly just for, that's their place of work, but equally for the passengers on these public transport systems. I think it's appalling. I think it's spiralling out of control and I think there needs to be extra resources. It's as simple as that. Do you not think that there's, it's just the odd isolated story, bad and all as that was, that was horrific for her and it's really impacted on her life and her ability to do her job. But are there many cases like that? I mean, I know Cork, Carrigaline and Carrigaline onto Crosshaven gets in the news because a lot of drunk kids get on the bus and go down and they fight down there and stuff like that and they party down there. But are they isolated? Uh, most certainly not. And I think I don't use the word antisocial behaviour for some of the examples because this is clear criminal uh, behaviour. True. I think we're suffering now because uh, of the recruitment uh, uh, difficulties in the Garda Síochána. We know that the Garda Commissioner and the Minister for Justice are saying we don't have enough guards. Uh, and I think we need to do something about it. There has been recruitment campaigns in the past and there's been one reported uh, recently and it's gone live. But uh, we're a bit sceptical because in 2018 and 2019, the Commissioner had funding for 800 garden recruits uh, and he only c- recruited 600. So I think there's some... What have we got, 14,000 uh, in the force, uh, is it? 
Uh, no, we don't. Uh, we we have, according to figures that are supplied to the policing authority every month, uh, it says that the current strength of the force is is hovering around fourteen thousand, right. and the, the number of Gardaí who are out responding on the front line uh, uh, are eleven thousand. I dispute that figure. I think it's false and misleading. There's probably somewhere in the region of of, of between nine and ten thousand, uh, and when you have the minister saying that we need 15,000 in the strength of the force. It's, it's obvious we're going to have problems with service delivery if we don't have enough. Okay, but how come the Garda Commission would say 14,000 and the GRA would say 9,000? There's a chasm of difference there. That's 6,000. Like, how could the figures be so such a disparity between the two? I think the figures that, that are being supplied to the policing authority are, are, are put very cleverly. They're, they're put down as an available strength and it's not true. Because given the level of, of work we do, there's obviously a high number of guards out as a result of an injury on duty. It's actually 185 guards have been injured on duty, as I speak, that are out sick, unavailable for duty. There's a further uh, uh, over 1,500 suffering from what we call ordinary illness. There's a further 130 guards out suspended from duty. But each month, the commissioner is telling the policing authority that these guards are available for duty, and that is misleading. Okay, so there's, that adds to nearly about 2,500 guards there alone, there's, yeah. There's, there's under 10,000 Gardaí policing this state. That it's, it's as simple as that. And you have the minister saying we need to bring the entire force up to 14,000. I think there's a massive deficit. Right. And we don't, we don't stop at that because the level of retirements in the Garishi Kana and resignations, the resignations are something we haven't seen in its 100-year history. There's about 160 guards left the force in an 18-month period. That is unprecedented. It needs to be looked at. It's a crisis and it needs addressing. That's not natural retirement. That's resigning early, is it? They're young guards resigning early. Right. And we have a difficulty with retaining staff. Okay. And I think we need well, the appropriate action. Why are young guards there. resigning and going into other types of work? There's a whole platter, platter of, 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 of uh, uh, reasons for, for that. The, the, the pension entitlements of guards have been massively eroded. There was the constant criticism, re-ethics and corruption in the guards. There was the 999 fiasco. There's the stress of the workload when you're dealing with that deficit. There's the assaults on members of the Garda Khan, and you've probably heard and seen in, in national media in relation to the type of violence that is orchestrated against guards yeah. with the Cherry Orchard incident and guards being rammed in their own patrol yeah. cars. Yeah. But equally, I need to let you know that the training in the guards is not adequate. I mean, it is absolutely farcical that in some circumstances, guards are prohibited from turning on the blue lights and sirens in a patrol car because they do not have the, the appropriate training. That is demoralizing, it is wrong, and it's restricting us from providing the service uh, to protect our communities. I think there needs to be an entire review of how the Garda Khan are feeling at the moment and the way we're resourced and understaffed because it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And I think when you hear from the likes of the NBRU, You've probably heard about the, the programme on, on RTE last yeah, night in so, the yeah, Street. Yeah. Whether it is Grand Parade, Patrick Street, Dunmanway, Balbriggan or the city centre, there's a crisis in terms of policing and guards need adequate resources. OK, we're not, we're not anywhere as bad uh, as, as Dublin, but we, we, we don't have uh, much time to wait until it gets as bad as Dublin. But you call it a societal problem. What is that? Is that parenting? Um, you know, I mean, it's easy to blame parents, but they don't always know what their sons or their daughters are getting up to, who they're mixing with, or whether or not they're dabbling in, in drugs or drinking too much, you know? I think if you look at the amount of guards that have been assaulted, what did I say, 185 in, in the recent past, and they're currently out unavailable for duty. If you heard from the NBRU staff, 
even when the Gardaí arrive at the scene of the assault, at the scene of the threats, at the scene of the violence, they don't let up. They continue to act uh, at an inappropriate and criminal behaviour. Yeah, that happened in Crosshaven, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. that appears to be a massive change in that nobody has any... Res- well, I won't say nobody. Obviously, we're dealing with the minority here. Uh, they don't appear to have any respect for the guards, but equally for public servants and people out trying to do their jobs. And is I it because they're underage and they know that they can't be touched? I think uh, uh, we really do need, uh, if you had the extra resources, because the way people are behaving, there seems to be no deterrent when the guards arrive in a guard uniform. There's no respect for authority. There's no respect for people in public places. Is it because they're under the influence of drugs and, and alcohol? I do know at night time in particular and at weekends that the antisocial behaviour is somewhat increased. Uh, that has a problem. Uh, that has, has, I suppose, that is one of the reasons why um, we, we face such difficulty, danger and, and anger out in the streets with the cocktail of, of drugs and alcohol. But equally, uh, the societal change in terms of people's behaviour and having no regard uh, for law and order. Uh, I think the best solution, which has been uh, uh, proven right around the globe, is when we have sufficient resources on the ground, high visibility, because prevention is better than curing the problem in this instance. And that has proven to have worked in the past. Uh, and I have so, every confidence that if we're adequately resourced, so, it, we, the communities will reap the benefit. So are, are Gardaí and indeed the GRA just as exasperated as the public are when they don't see uh, boots on the ground or patrolling Gardaí in our cities and our suburbs and our communities? I think it, it's demoralising in one sense because you have the existing work, work, workforce that should be becoming disillusioned uh, and overworked in terms of resources, extra colleagues on the ground. Uh, and the question also has to be put, we don't have the option when somebody is out sick, injured, when somebody uh, avails of their leave entitlement or family-friendly leave. There is nobody to pick up the slack. There's no agency worker that can come in. There's no contract worker that can come in. We have to just roll up our sleeves and get on with it. And that isn't good enough either. And equally if 10 guards or 5 guards retire from a guard station or resign next week, there's nobody there to pick up the slack, only the existing workforce. I think that's demoralising and I think we need to look into the reasons why people are leaving the guards early and resigning because it's having a drastic consequence on the mental health of the existing workforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the issue then regarding the train or Kent Station involves the fact also that it's being used for um, the movement of heroin and drugs, isn't it, from Dublin to Cork? It's, it's, it's being used as the, the transport corridor for drugs. Would, would, an, would onboard Gardaí put a stop to that, do you think? I think what we need is high visibility, whether it is on the platform, whether it is in the appropriate response, whether you're coming in a mountain bike or a van or a car, whether it is a bus driver once they're going from Grand Parade to Patrick Street. Once they know when they look for help, it'll be on the way. But you don't want a guard on the bus, though, do you? I, 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 I think every single option that can instill confidence on passengers and train drivers and bus drivers. There needs to be a better presence, presence, whether it is covert or overt policing, but we certainly are struggling on the ground for high visibility presence, whether it is at the actual platform, whether it is a train station, a dart station or a bus station. Guards are needed everywhere and we're simply starved of resources at the moment. Well, we've another thousand promised in the budget just gone, haven't we? And like a thousand we- new guardy and, and an extra 400 civilian staff to do a lot of the admin and court work. Surely that's a positive thing. We've, 
we've been down this road before in 2018 where we were promised 800 recruits and unfortunately in 2019 that was automatically uh, suddenly reduced to 600 by the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris. We're a bit sceptical at this stage whether that will happen again but equally if we do get the 1,000 it's going to take time to go through the recruitment process and train these guards to get them on the beat. And I think we need to look at how we recruit guards. Can we speed up the process? Uh, can we prepare in the short and medium term? Because by the time those guards are trained in Templemore and on the streets, we will have hundreds of guards having retired and resigned if the current trends continue. Mm. So I think we, the government need to look at this. They need to set up a task force, if you ask me, and check why are guards leaving have an optimum number survey. How can we prepare now for the short, medium and long term to ensure we have adequate guards on the ground, adequately trained, because it's not happening. Yeah. When more guards, whether it's, you say, whether it's on mountain bikes and cars, vans, uh, on the street, on the platforms and the bus station, uh, bus station as well as the as Kent station, I'd imagine, yeah, because that can be uh, an issue as well, uh, anti-social behaviour there. A lot of the time it involves people who are out of their heads and on drugs or indeed drink or both. Do, do the GRA or the Gardaí or detectives at the front line, do they, do they, would they admit that this war on drugs will never be beaten, really? That it's just like sticking fingers in a dike? No, no matter what jurisdiction you're in, you'll never get anybody involved in law enforcement, police forces anywhere around Europe or anywhere around the globe to say we're at nothing. It's going to be a constant pressure. It's going to be a constant concern. We just need to ensure that we have the resources to tackle it. It's right across the board, whether you're talking criminal damage, antisocial behaviour, drink driving, uh, road safety. We need adequate resources to keep everything under control, to keep a high visibility presence and to ensure that when the crime occurs, we have the expertise and personnel to prosecute and bring the perpetrators of the crimes to the court system. Yeah, it's just one point though um, with regards to the availability of Gardaí. There was a story on air last week. Uh, I know you're originally Don Manway uh, and it was down in West Cork and it was the eviction of uh, of a traveller family. But yet they, were, they managed to find a, a, at least a dozen guards, possibly more, to turn up at that eviction at six o'clock in the morning. How could so many guards be found for one thing like that? when there's supposed to be a shortage of them at six o'clock in the morning? If you're, if, if you're, if you're uh, dealing with the courts and if there's orders coming, whether it is from the high court or the district court, there's planned operations in place, whether it is an eviction, whether it is a drug search, whether it is the searching of a warehouse or a commercial or residential property in relation to criminal activity. Um, there's obviously planned operations taking place right across the country uh, every day. And that incident uh, is no different. What are the specifics of the operational reason that I'm not privy to? Yeah. But it's not uncommon for guards uh, to have standard operating procedures in relation to planned operations uh, and that has a wide variety um, of legislation uh, and activities uh, to combat any type of behaviour and enacting uh, court orders. So that would be no different than any other planned operation right around the state. But then just another thing that people would be critical of while I have you is the amount of um, guardy you will see on, on traffic duty and, and with speed cameras and checkpoints and things like that. Uh, I'm not taking from the fact that you know driving safely is very important, but people are con- constantly talking on, on this programme about that, that it's a misuse of, of Gardaí, that they should be out on solving crime and, you know, making the streets safer I, rather than uh, being f- collecting fines for the state. Uh, f- firstly, if, if you remember the Garda Shikana and in a traffic core unit, uh, you're, you're not exempt from targeting any other area of, crim- of criminal behaviour, first and foremost. I think it's of massive importance 
that we continue to have a presence uh, on our nation's road network. I think the issue of road fatalities is very serious. Uh, and we do know that when there is high visibility on our road networks, it reduces the incidence of fatal traffic accidents and accidents resulting in serious injury. Yeah, I think I, they're very, very important areas in relation to road traffic uh, and law enforcement in relation to road traffic. I think it's very important and I think they play a very valuable role uh, in ensuring that people change their behaviour when they see the guard. It's not about catching anyone or hiding. It's about reducing the incidence of fatalities and accidents on our roads. And I think it's way too high at the moment and there needs to be continued investment in roads policing around the country to ensure that we reduce the amount of fatalities. In oh, ultimately, what we need is enough Gardaí employed to do everything, isn't it true? Correct. It's resources is the key to the issue to tackle antisocial behaviour, criminal behaviour and ensuring that we have confidence uh, in protecting our communities right around the length and breadth of the country. Okay, Garda Damien McCarthy, thanks for taking the call. Do appreciate it. Former GRA president uh, at the weekend. Sorry, over the past couple of days there was a, a conference of uh, NBRU uh, workers and representatives. If indeed you are a bus driver or working in rail or any issue like that and you want to get in touch or member of Angarda Shikona, I never give out any personal details of anybody that contacts me but you have thoughts on that, maybe as a guard, maybe as a train driver, as a bus driver or indeed the safety of taxi drivers text 0868104106 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now 0818104106 Red FM Yeah, that primetime show last night spoke about it and showed video and footage of O'Connell Street which at some stage in its life was a very very beautiful broad street but not anymore it's uh, just gone to rack and ruin massively declining over the past 30 or 40 years and a lot of it has to do of course with uh, um, antisocial behaviour and uh, I think one or two of the people that were contributing to the show or people watching it said that O'Connell Street it's only thugs and confused tourists and of course they showed a man doing crack in fact I think he offered some of it to the reporter at 9 o'clock in the morning doing crack on a Wednesday morning multiple fights constantly on O'Connell Street, homeless tents on both sides of the street and urine and people defecating all over it. I mean, unfortunately, uh, you could say a lot of that about areas of Cork, um, but uh, O'Connell Street is on a different scale entirely. Uh, text 0868104106 on that one. I need to, um, just before I go any further, I need to correct something and I, I, I couldn't get it out of my head yesterday because I realized, I thought it was, uh, to some extent, I, I thought that electric blankets really were high users of electricity. And on the other hand, I was having a bit of a laugh um, yesterday morning, just before we finished. Um, but it, it's something that I need to correct because somebody got in touch with me saying, I cannot believe that you're spreading such untruths about electric blankets. I run an electric blanket off a solar panel in my camper van, which is fantastic, brilliant. It costs five cents an hour to run an electric bank blanket and it can be a great way of staying warm in bed. I think it's totally wrong of you to frighten people, particularly elderly people, who possibly now would not use their electric blanket. And you know something? You're 100% right. I cannot disagree with anything you say. It was wrong of me and I don't... Uh, want to put anyone in a position where they feel, oh God, I can't do that because he says it's expensive. It's not. I checked it yesterday after that text and it it does cost five cents an hour to run an electric blanket and many people wouldn't even use an electric blanket for an hour. So they are a very, very cheap way of uh, warming the bed. I'm not so sure you're supposed to sleep in the bed um, through the night with the electric blanket on but it's important that I correct that because the last thing I want to do is be frightening people or making people feel nervous or not being able to stay warm so thank you for getting in touch with me with that it was wrong of me 
uh, and I apologise for it. I was wrong in that regard. Mind you, there is a, a list of do's and don'ts as we head into the winter. If I were to give you the entire list, I'd be here all day. But there's some of them are quite interesting. A, a lot of the advice going forward across the winter is to turn things down, turn lots of things down, turn your thermostats down, uh, turn your boiler down a few uh, degrees and, and things like that, insulate your attic. Now, if you're on uh, any kind of form of social welfare payment, whether that's like a pension or indeed a disability or, or benefits, you'll get an awful lot of uh, the work that he's doing on your in your house free it comes as free others then who are working or you know um, you know have their own forms of income get very much reduced grants from the SEAI but there there are some there are some available even for working people um, but they also talk about things like if you have a chimney for instance that's not being used um, and you never use it but it was always in the house apparently you can install a thing called a chimney balloon in the unused chimney and up it goes so it stops an awful lot of draft and heat escaping years ago people would put newspapers up there stuffed newspapers up there in fact I know of people who did that once and then ended up lighting the fire and you can imagine what happened then uh, they're talking about installing high efficiency gas fires like I know we have a gas fire at home it's one of the old ones where like 85-90% of the heat just it looks lovely but 90% of the heat goes right up the chimney and we haven't used it uh, since all and, and probably it's going to take it out and put in one of the high efficiency ones with the glass front to it uh, because you're burning um, your money with those old fashioned gas fires. They cost a fortune to run and it's all going right up the um, right up the chimney. So they're also saying things like um, use an electric blanket. I was wrong. They're right. Use an electric blanket. Unplug appliances. Have shorter showers. Turn down things by a few degrees. Install a natural gas cooker. Avoid using the clothes dryer. Um, because it's the biggest use of power next to heating your home, uh, your tumble dryer. So there's just a few. There's lots more like that. You'll find them all online, actually, if you do a search. But I hope that that might help in some way, shape or form. But it's important that I correct the electric blanket because I don't want to be putting the fear of God into people. Back to the phone lines we go on this Wednesday morning. Heidi, good morning. Hello, good morning. Isn't that the loveliest name? H-A-Y-D-E-E. Heidi. I love it. Heidi. Now, it's you're... Mexican. It's what? <laughs> Mexican name. Oh, fantastic. Well, how long have you been here? Are you living in Kinsale? I'm living in Kinsale. I'm in Ireland 10 years. Good for you. I'm living in Kinsale around nine years and a half. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. So, your local bus then uh, left you at the side of the road even though it wasn't full, is it? Exactly. Yesterday was uh, really, like, practically like Monday morning, you know, that everything is a disaster. So we normally I'm I'm taking the bus at eight o'clock in the morning. That I know over a year I'm um using the bus and it's no no full at all. Yeah. Still can see normally seats. So was a queue that was really a strange situation, but we always get in. So the the bus driver just decided to close the door in front of the lady. There was maybe two two people in front of me. And just he closed the door and the lady, no explanation or anything. She was knocking the door to open to explain what happened. And he just inside to the bus and just moving the, the, the lips, he said, it's full. So we, we didn't know what to do because normally we get in because it's not busy at that time at eight o'clock in the morning. Over a year, I'm traveling every morning. Mm. So I know. What time bus was that? that? Uh, two twenty six, and is the blue and 
yellow. What color. time? What time was the bus? Eight o'clock. Eight a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eight in the morning. Yeah. So that's uh, part of. I, we know that is part of the bus errand. So we were uh, trying to get in, knock the door. He just drove and left to six people behind. So we saw the, the bus pass and empty empty seats, and we said, "What? what what's the story? Why? What is this happening? Because there's no no right and this no normal thing happened, you know." So all the people, I posted something on Facebook and all the people in, um, that they were in and the boss, they mentioned that he just dropped past Bulguli, past River Six, right. never stopped. And he just decided to stop in the airport. Uh, I called customer service and the lady was really rude as the <laughs> bus driver. And how, how, In what way rude? Um... What do you mean? The route? You said that you called Boss Aaron and the lady was rude. Yeah, she she just said, uh, I need to ask what happened. So I said, could you take my number because my credit will go. And she said, no, you need to wait in the line. So I said, fine. So obviously my credit was gone. I need to call again with my um, work phone that I need to contact my manager that I was late and sorry that I need to take uh, wait for the next bus. So anyway uh, I call again to the lady and she says that we need to do a book seat. You need to that book your seat. Did you ever have to do that yeah. before? <laughs> never. Never. I had as I mentioned over a year we never booked a, a seat. So all the people on Facebook they mentioned that um, students are booked the seat. But that doesn't matter. They know, take care about us. It's not true that if you book, you are guaranteed your seat. So it's not right. That's, that's a disaster in both Iran. Uh, but wait a second. It's, uh, it's, I'm finding it difficult to follow this now. You, you weren't left on the bus, even though there were seats on the bus, and the driver mouthed to you that the bus is full, and he drove off. You rang yeah. Boss Aaron, and Boss Aaron told you eventually that you need to book the seat on the bus. Exactly. What yeah. that never happened was. Okay, but then, when we got onto Bus Air and Press, they said it is not possible to pre book seats on services like the 226 from Kinsale. That's, no, that's not true because it never happened. Uh, we never did that. Yeah. Like no, Bus Air no, yeah. and Press no. are saying it's not possible to book seats. Yeah. When uh, people on Facebook that, that I posted my, my complaint, they mentioned that. They actually are trying to book, but there's no guarantee that you will get in the bus, either that you have the booked. Your, your so why would, if you can't book a seat on the bus, which is what Bus Aaron is telling us, why then yeah. would a bus driver drive off when people are trying to get to work in the city just, from Kinsale with empty seats on the bus? Exactly. We, we couldn't understand what happened. The, the people that they were actually inside the bus that they said that mentioned that they just did the bus drivers. They he opened the, the door for in, in the airport. But how that people booked the seats if they are coming from another country or maybe are students? I don't know. But how they could get in and nobody in Valguli or Riverstick. Neither the people that are in sale that is the last. Did he drive in, past the people in Valguli? Did he drive past Balguli the people in Riverstick? With yep. empty seats yep. on the bus. Exactly, exactly. So how did so, you get to work? 
we need the way uh, the lady that um, he closed the door in front of her her face. She trying to organize a taxi, but um, were two students, myself and herself, and I said I don't have cash with me, so I can't to, to go to to pay for the taxi. The other students, he said, no, we are students, so we are not going. So we need to wait for the next bus. I asked the lady to organize some early bus, and she said, there's no way that we we will do that. So she was really rude. And I said, what a horrible service you have. And she just hand up. She what? So hand up. Just, she, she just left the, the... Because I was really upset, you know. She hung up the phone at that point, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She said that she won't organize anything and we need to wait for the next bus. That is every hour. So we need to wait until nine o'clock. So we get in and the, the nine o'clock, really, really horrible smell along the bus, really disgusting, no clean or nothing. And one of the guys that they were waiting with me for the next bus, he, did, he said to the bus driver, I won't pay because I'm late. That's not the first time. And he was also upset, and the bus driver said, if you don't pay, we are not leaving. Yeah, no, he'd have to pay. It's not that other bus driver's fault, mm-hmm. nor is it the bus yeah. driver's fault if he's driving or she's driving a filthy bus. That's bus Aaron's fault, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't yeah. get this uh, at all. How much is a return trip from Kinsale to Cork anyway? Oh, it's, it's really, really expensive. If you have the green card, the... Um, leap card. Leap, leap card, uh, you pay five... Five euros thirty-two cents each way. Each so way. it's pretty much eleven euro a day, is it? Eleven euro exactly. But if you don't have your your limp cars, you need to pay around seven euros, six seven euros, because you are paying in cash in that moment. So it's really expensive. We are I don't know. I, 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 hope, I, I hope by you calling them like that and interacting with them and us talking about it will stop this nonsense of leaving people at bus stops with empty seats on the bus. I got a response from Bus Aaron, one, two, three, four paragraphs long, and it's just complete and utter waffle. Most of it has absolutely nothing to do with the question they were asked. Just waffle telling us all about um, the service contracts of Bus Aaron and how it's got busier and the usage and 15% up since the pandemic and all of this nonsense. And all we wanted to know is why are you leaving people standing at bus stops when there's seats on the bus? Anyway, I hope that this call makes a difference. Will you let me know if it happens again? Definitely, uh, I, I will. Uh, it's people that they are trying to, they are working to try to put... They're trying uh, to get to work, yeah, for God's sake. Exactly, to work of the university. So... People are working to try to, to put different bosses, but it's really difficult, uh, as they mentioned on, on the post on Facebook. So just we, we, need, we need more bosses, you know, if it's really busy, specific and peak, peak times. You need more buses need more bus. and you need cleaner buses. Thanks, Heidi. Yeah. Appreciate the call. Stay Thank in touch. You. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Once they charge on that train, they can at least afford private security on it. With regards to my conversation with the Garda Representative Association, Gardaí would obviously be a better option, but they're under-resourced as it is. Morning, it's absolutely crazy that there isn't a Garda presence on trains. In London, they always have undercover cops 
in and on the underground. Uh, Ronan Brady here, originally from Clonmel. I live in Cork for work and on a daily basis I see the issues on public transport because I use it all the time. One time a young guy stole my vape and just laughed when I asked him for it back. It's scary. They have no fear anymore. Uh, and then I was contacted by a bus, uh, somebody working for Bus Aaron, and I will never give out details of anyone who contacts me. This person says, there was another driver assaulted a few weeks back on the Grand Parade while waiting to take over a bus. He was knocked out cold. Can't come on air. We are meant to have security at night on the Grand Parade and other routes, but they are not doing their jobs. They don't turn up. We keep reporting this to management and nothing is done about it. You need to get someone on from Capwell and put these questions to them. At the end of the day, drivers are meant to be working in a safe place of work. Thank you for that. I'd love if I got a little bit more info from you when you say we are meant to have security at night on the Grand Parade and on other routes. Is this security outside the buses, monitoring people getting on and off, or is it security on the buses at night? Uh, Train sniffer dogs. Use them in buses, trains, and stations. Uh, Can't come on air, but what I have noticed is that people are not mannerly anymore. Children have no manners instilled in them, and COVID's made the whole thing a hell of a lot worse. Nobody is disciplining children, and what about all this gender-fluid nonsense? So thank you for those. Text 0868104106. We've touched a nerve then on buses in general. Uh, can I just stay with this for a little while, if you don't mind? Ashling, good morning. Hello, good morning. Were, were, were you on that? This is not just one bus route we're talking about because other people are also sending in texts regarding buses. Were you on that same bus route, Kinsale to the city, is it? Yeah, the 226 yesterday. So morning. you were, okay, you were, you, you were on the bus in Kinsale and saw the others not getting on, is it? Yeah. Um, my initial thought was because it was like two minutes past eight. That's kind of a silly excuse anyway. Are you but still, uh, what, what, what do you mean that uh, he had to go and couldn't wait? Yeah, because that's also happened before that uh, you'd be turned away because you were there like a minute after eight o'clock. Okay. So the bus did leave passengers in Kinsale. There were empty seats, drove off. You were on it. What happened then? Um, drove past Belgooley, drove past Riverstick. Okay, now were um, there people in Belgooley and people in Riverstick? Oh yeah, about five, six people at both of the villages, yeah. Right, and just literally drove past them with empty seats? Yeah. Okay. And all of these people at these stops have a reason to be at the stops because they're going places, they have things to do, might be going to college, might be going to work. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the people that would be getting on the buses would be students. Uh, there is a half seven bus that leaves from Kinsale that goes uh, past the airport, doesn't go through it, and goes to the city and then to the colleges. But that half seven bus didn't show up yesterday. Just didn't turn up at all? No, not at all. <sighs> okay. Um, so, through Belgooley, through Riverstick, um, where to go next? picked up one person uh, five mile in and then into the airport and then all the seats were filled. So why stop at five mile? I couldn't tell you. Um, maybe because it was just one person instead of like five or six people trying to get on. Do you know but anything I, about whether people need, should have been booking those seats or whether it's a normal bus like the rest of them where you just get on? Some people apparently got on to customer services and were told that you had to book seats, but that's the first I've ever heard of it, and I've been 
getting that bus for years. And that isn't and true. Bus Air and Press have told me, and it's written in front of me, it is not possible to pre-book seats uh, yeah. on a route like the 226. So one passenger got on at half mi- halfway, half mile, uh, and then it went to the airport. Yeah, and then all the seats were filled. And people got on board. Yeah, I think there might be a priority for people at the airport. Why? I don't know. Why would there be a priority ahead of people? I don't know. <laughs> can sail. I don't know. Like, people from the airport, they're coming into the country, bus air, and maybe want to make themselves look good uh, for being reliable, but they're not actually No, no, no. Reliable. You don't leave people in Kinsale at the bus stop, firstly with a half seven not turning up, and then leave people on the side of the road for the eight o'clock just so that you can facilitate people at Cork Airport. That makes no sense. Oh, it's a disgrace. <laughs> oh, it's a man. disgrace and very silly behaviour. Is it? It can be a bit of a lottery then, whether you get on a bus or not, is it? Yeah, absolutely. It's every day. Every day. Um, forgetting the bus back to Kinsale, it doesn't even leave from the bus station anymore. It leaves from outside the Clayton. But because of like the sheer volume of people that want to get on that bus, you have to be there half an hour 40 minutes earlier just to be sure you're getting on you know okay hopefully these conversations might make a difference in the future but thanks for taking the call Ashling. appreciate it thanks for talking to me you got it Bye. text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 and I just addressed one thing from a conversation I had yesterday with a lady called Anne who was on the air and is living in a hotel with all of her belongings Lots and lots of people were texting about that and an awful lot of the texts were along the same line. Now, I mean, there were others, but if I could just address one section of concern with people. Um, firstly, um, where was the partner? Where was the husband? Where was the dad? Why was she having to do it all on her own with six children, etc., etc., etc.? Many people saying things, may I ask where the children's father is? Um, is he helping in any way? Many, many texts like that. Um, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not stupid. That is, that isn't something that I would, you know, just forget to ask. I had a conversation beforehand, and if if I could just say, I couldn't bring that section of the conversation up, and I'm not going to go into any detail as to why. But take my word for it, I couldn't bring that part of the conversation up. It wasn't for air. Um, there are, there are genuine reasons behind people's plights. But I acknowledge that people were asking that question, but it wasn't something I could go into on air. Please believe me when I tell you. Um, But a lot of other people did get in touch on different topics of conversation, including this one. I hate to say this, but why do families have so many children when they have no home? We have to get a place to live before we have our children. Why is it that so many people went down the road of having children first? Then they think someone like the council or someone somewhere will just give them a home. It doesn't work that way. Um, Tell the people not to have so many children. And others have said that as well. I don't mean to be cruel, but why would somebody have six children? We would both like to have a big family ourselves, but we just can't afford it. We use contraception. Too many people fail to plan for families and then expect others to pick up the tab. Um, at the same time, listen to that woman with the six children. I'm in a four-bedroom hap home in Ladiesbridge with two children. There is a two-bed bungalow near my home. I have been trying to get from the council. Um, uh, I've been trying to swap it out. And It's another example. I don't want the four-bed, yet they won't move me to the bungalow. It's currently an allocation on the CBL, but it hasn't been allocated. If anything can be done, I'd swap for the bungalow. Um, 
and the landlord will be willing to take a bigger family. They're saying in, they're saying four beds are hard to come by, yet they won't downsize me and give mine to someone who needs it. Another person looking for something similar in Toker, looking to downsize my council home from a three-bed to a two-bed, but they're insisting we're only eligible for a one-bedroom place, which are extremely hard to come by. So we end up staying in the three-bed. But a neighbour with three kids was recently upgraded to a four-bed. Her beautiful three-bed now is lying idle and could straight away, for its imperfect condition, be given to another struggling family. But yet it probably will sit there for six months to a year or perhaps even longer. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How is this are you? Another, is this another bus-related story? Yeah, it's it's basically it's down to the years. Like I I drive myself, but my kids get the bus from time to time. Well, my daughter gets it every day actually to to work. And like if the farmers pass inside the airport entrance, there's a, a, a bus stop, but there's no bus shelter, and you're you might be standing in the runway to to get the bus. You know, when you by the time you come along, the bus comes along, you're saturated. There's the bus timetables haven't been updated since 2016. Then you go up along and you've the people and getting the bus above in the airport itself. So by the time it comes to it's fairly full as it is. So they all get on then. So the people in the business park then are waiting for the bus and it goes past, you know, full. Then the airport should have its own dedicated bus. Is it that there aren't they enough? Long ago. They, they had a, a separate bus service before. But um, the two of them are amalgamated, so it's just Kinsale stroke airport now, you know? Yeah, it's doing both. Yeah, it's but that, both that's like never going to solve. That's never going to solve. Are they single or do- double deckers? Oh, single. Gobby with the days when there were double deckers, you get twice as many people on a bus. I was, I was using your head, I see. I don't know where the common sense seems to go out the window when they see a lot of people, especially, you know, this weather. And as I said, we, we had a, a bus shelter inside the airport entrance and uh, they took it away because part of the roof blew off and the airport wouldn't pay for it. And, Apparently, bus there and wouldn't pay for it. So, no, you might as well be standing on the runway because there's no shelter at all. So, like as I said, the people in the business park, I see them every, a lot of the time. There, you go for a walk in the evening time, and they're waiting for the bus, and you come back down, and you'd see the bus is passing you, and they're going back down full, and they're, they're still waiting again for the next an hour, I suppose. By the time they stuff to the city, that would break your heart if you knew that could be happening to you every day, going to I and know. coming from work. Wouldn't it? You know yourself. It's not as if you're in the city centre where you can walk. Must feel very you know, isolated, really, and it's actually a danger too, isn't it? It, it's, it is, of course, because especially at night time, you know. I mean, well, it's going to get darker know, earlier. It is, of course, yeah, and like you know, the bus comes down the hill anyway, and it's going to be stuck in traffic forever. So by the time it comes back up again, you know, like there's a lot of big population of uh, people walking the business park. Outside of the airport itself, you know. All right, I'll see if I can get a, Okay, fair play. I'll see if I can get a spokesperson from Capwell to deal with some of these issues and answer some questions. Thanks, Michael. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106 Red FM. Red FM's Shocktober. With Wilton Shopping Centre. Yes, indeed. Uh, Countdown to Halloween continues and there's a wealthy witch out there with a lot of cash. 10,000 euros worth of cash. And just looking at yesterday, yesterday's clue was find the northern star at the end of the line by the water. It's your mission impossible. Now, a couple of people thought that was pointing towards Black Rock, but a lot of people thought the wealthy witch was in Cove. And can I tell you, it's easy to say now, the cruise ship Borealis was in port yesterday. See the clue? Find the northern star at the end of the line. And Borealis means northern. 
So Cove, Cove is also the end of the line by the sea with regards to the train line. And Tom Cruise stars in Mission Impossible. So you see all of the connections to that. Now, Tracy from Cove saw this as her opportunity. And she, yesterday, headed straight down there. I was in the middle of making the dinner. I heard the clue when I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, it's the last liner. So I got my son to get into the car. He had no shoes or anything on him. He was trying to put his shoes on. And then all the tourists are around the liner. And I'm like, excuse me, you're the witch. And this one the lady was like, excuse me, you're calling me a witch? And I was like, no, no, I'm sorry. And I had to keep running away. So I'm, I must have asked, like, say, 50 people. And then we said, okay, we'll give up. And we were walking up the street. And this really pretty girl was walking towards me. I said, you know, I'll, I'll just try it for the sake of it. You're she joking. Gave me the envelope, I nearly actually done a pee and I'm standing there with an Adam <laughs> and for her troubles yesterday Tracy scooped 1,000 euro in cash and to today there's 850 euro in today's cauldron of cash if you were listening to breakfast this morning at a quarter past eight you'll know when the witching hour is uh, if you don't and weren't listening uh, then you got to stay listening all day because the witching hour will happen. You'll get another clue at some stage today and you can hunt down the wealthy witch and claim the cash. All right, October with Wilton Shopping Centre. That's all to come again today with more cash in the cauldron. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, many people then talking about my conversation earlier on regarding law and order um, and the amount of guarded time spent um, on speed checkpoints. I'd love to know what fines for motor tax expiration do for road safety. Checkpoints are aimed specifically at raising revenue. It's another fine way of saying legal for a price. Um, yeah, uh, I guess that people always will have a problem with Gatso vans and speed cameras and what have you when they see it as being, um, you know, all about collecting revenue. But if it saves lives, what can you do? Respect is a two-way street. When it comes to Angarda Shikona, there are plenty of questions to be answered by the force. They don't always treat the public with a lot of respect. Now, that's a very broad, sweeping statement to make. Then we were talking yesterday about petrol stations that allow people to have a coffee or, or sit down outside the front door of the petrol station, not too far from the pumps. And somebody yesterday was telling us the story of people who were smoking. Um, uh, that is a major, major worry because nobody should be anywhere near petrol pump smoking a fag. Even if you put signs up saying no smoking, it doesn't always work because there were no smoking signs there. But somebody picks up on that saying way too many petrol stations carry blocks and firewood and fire logs stacked outside the door and in some cases stacked in between the petrol pumps. This is also a ridiculous practice. And apartments being built that are wrapped around petrol stations, that really is a major incident just waiting to happen. So thank you for those texts. Could you give them comment text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and we'll drive on. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. You know, this time last year I was talking about menopause because it was this time last year was also World Menopause Month and indeed yesterday was World Menopause Day and I was chatting about that yesterday. Some of the texts from women are just extraordinary. They're powerful. I'll come to them in a few minutes' time. But some of the newspaper headlines over the past couple of days uh, would make you sit up and, and pay attention even more when they say that in the workplace uh, that many women are leaving 
the workplace. There was a headline in the Mirror recently said, Workplaces Facing an Exodus of Female Employees. Um, they call it because of menopause. Lack of help in menopause is forcing women to quit the jobs that were saying. 81% of those who took place and said they didn't feel comfortable discussing the issue of menopause with their employers. employers. And that led me along to another story this morning then, where pressure is growing uh, on employers to follow the likes of Bank of Ireland. Now, Bank of Ireland are going to give 10 days of menopause leave and they began offering up to 10 days leave which can be taken in a 12 month time frame and now the pressure is on a lot well particularly within financial services to follow the lead of Bank of Ireland and also tech companies to also allow women uh, 10 days paid menopause leaves leave for workers so that's one of the latest developments but leaving the workplace because of it there was an also another story in the papers during the week of a, a shortage of HRT when it came to the treatment but some of your responses are just incredible like Magella said to me by text men do not support their wives and it is causing marriage breakups I guess because men maybe don't understand or aren't as compassionate enough. Another one, a friend of mine suggested to her doctor that she may be perimenopause and she was told by the doctor to go home, relax and have have a cup of tea. Isn't that an incredible response that a doctor would give? Now that's just one or two of many which I will come back to uh, in a few minutes time but I'm keen to talk to people. Uh, Jess Nivellon actually um, was went into menopause or into the menopause uh, time in her life very, very young. She joins me by phone. Jess, good morning. Morning, Neil. How, how young were you? Um, I was about 27. 27. And why so young? So um, I had a few different gynae issues. Like I would have always had issues with periods and stuff as I grew up. And then in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. And before that, um, did you spend over a decade in chronic pain? Was it before all of this? Yeah. Yeah. So like the pain, like the pain was always very bad, but like, I think my first admission just for pain to a hospital was when I was about 15. Right, okay. And was was it eventually diagnosed what was wrong with you? Yeah, so it kind of went on. I think, I think I might have been 21 or 22 when I was diagnosed in the end. But like, I mean, like Neil, this was like there was years of in and out of hospital with like pains in my stomach and it was my appendix and it wasn't and it was IBS and it wasn't. It was colitis and it wasn't. It was ovarian issues and it wasn't. Gallbladder and it wasn't. How did you get through school with such chronic pain or even sit exams and things? um, You see, I was lucky, I suppose. Like the pain didn't seem to affect me during exam time, unfortunately, in one way. Um, But like I... Like, I mean, the school were understanding about it, but I mean, there would have been months where I would have had two or three days off school because I, I physically just couldn't go in, like, it was that bad. But, like, you know, the, the attitude from kind of consultants at the time very much was that I would grow out of it. And, of course, that didn't happen. It led to a hysterectomy, yeah. didn't it? It did, yeah, because I suppose, look, it went untreated for so long and... By the time I had treatment here, like I had treatment by an amazing consultant here and then went on to have further treatment in London because it was the only place I could go. Yeah. But like, I mean, when I did get treatment, it was fantastic, but it was probably just too late at that time. Right. Okay. So it did happen. There was the surgery. There was the hysterectomy. Forgive me now, mm-hmm. but did that, did that trigger menopause then? Um, ordinarily, it would have triggered menopause, but when I had the consultation before the surgery, 
we actually discovered then that I was already in menopause without realising it. Right. Because right. I was having these symptoms, I was having hot flushes, I was having, you know, um, I, I had like different aches and pains, I was very tired, I was having brain fog. But because I'd been through a few surgeries in and around that time anyway, like we had put those symptoms down to kind of the recovery process. Yeah. Because um, I had an ovary removed as well. So we yeah. just... Yeah. Thought, yeah. Like, you know, it's probably part of it. Like, yeah. And at what awesome. stage then was it correctly diagnosed? Um, it, it was that day when I was in London in Harley Street. Um, I had to have a scan before I could meet the, the surgeon. And like, I suppose, Neil, like, I went to Harley Street expecting this surgeon to say to me, look, I'm able to remove the endometriosis that's growing around your remaining ovary because at that stage I only had one. Um, and that was not the news that I got. Like um, the news I got was that I was actually already in early menopause yeah, because yeah. my ovary had my remaining ovary had had shut down because of the scar tissue. Yeah, yeah. Of course, as the body was reacting to what the surgery had done, I suppose, and extraordinary. You were going through menopause then at the same time as your mum, I believe, wasn't that the case? Yeah, and I suppose like the the hysterectomy itself, the like the removal of the womb and the remaining ovary and everything else was about a month after that and like it was it was only as I started to experience the symptoms afterwards you know obviously I was chatting to my mom about it and she was kind of saying you know I've had that brain fog for a few years I thought it was stress but you know it's unbelievable like you know like women that we that we don't understand isn't that extraordinary that we still have uh, an issue with people identifying that they are in menopause because it's it's the, unbelievable. The symptoms would be the hot flushes, the night sweats, stress, anxiety, weight gain, no energy, brain fog. Talk to me about that. Is it to do with not being able to concentrate or remember things? That's what I would have thought, right? And that is part of it. But sometimes, like, like Neil, I, I can't kind of explain it, but you'd actually be stuck for words. You'd be stuck stringing a, a sentence together. And I really only got that symptom sorted when I started taking... Um, well, I started taking HRT, obviously, after the surgery straight away, but it was when I started taking testosterone, which is part of HRT. Like, that's something I never knew about. You know, I obviously would have had a lot of dealings with doctors over the years, and I would have been aware that menopause was something that happened to women. But to be honest, I thought it was like your period stop, you you get hot flushes, you're probably a bit, you have a few mood swings. But Night that it would sweats. stop after a yeah, year. I yeah. did not realise that all these other things were connected to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so you would be mid-sentence talking to somebody and just struggle for words? Yeah, yeah. It would, it would just stop, like. How would you cope with that in the moment then? Um, I, like, I suppose I, I'd literally just get stuck. I'd, I'd actually turn around to the person and say, God, I can't remember, what was I saying? And I'd say, like, like my family were probably used to it, but I'd say people that had met me at work at the time were kind of thinking, like, you know, is she, is she okay? Like, yeah, I've spoken in, in, in past years dealing with this topic, and it's hap I'm happy to say that more people talk about it now, and that's probably a very good thing. But women would tell me that they would have that while talking with somebody. They could be out with a friend, and that there would be rivers of sweat pouring down their face and they, they would be so embarrassed about it and would constantly have to leave the table and go away and come back. And it's, 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 awfully, it's awfully difficult, isn't it? It is. Like, and I suppose like, I find that when I, like, I'm, I'm lucky now that my symptoms are mainly under control. But like, if I get a, like, sometimes I will get a bad bout of, of um, night sweats and things. 
and like there's nothing you can do except get up out of the bed absolutely nothing which obviously then like has a knock-on effect on the amount of sleep that you have would that be every night going to affect your work not every night i've noticed that it probably it kind of happens more um if i'm late taking my hrt so i use hrt gel so generally i put it on in the morning when i'm getting ready for work and i leave it dry and but on the weekends, obviously, do you know, you know yourself, Neil, you're... Yeah, different routine, you're, yeah. Yeah, do you know, so I mightn't put them on until the middle of the day and I'll always, I'll always have the night sweats then those, those weekends, like, so I suppose, look, part of that is me that I, I need to keep my routine the same, but... um it's uh, it, it can be a lot to deal with, like... You, you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, mood changes. Like, like what? Would that be kind of crankiness, short-tempered, depressed? Um, yeah, it would be. And one thing actually I developed since then is like crippling anxiety. Like I was, I was taken off my HRT for about four or five days there last February. Um, just by a consultant, I was having some issue and he took me off it for a few days and just the, like the, just, it was, it was as if the world was closing in on me. It was, it was really, really difficult. Um, I was afraid to like leave the house I was afraid to answer the phone I didn't want to speak to any of my friends I can't explain it and it was really hard because I couldn't find a reason for why it was happening until I realized hang on this is probably to do with the HRT and it was when I went through the symptom list again um I was like right there it is anxiety like so many things that I didn't know that were related to it or you know even shortly after I had the operation you know, they tell you to, to get up and get moving really, really fast um, quite soon afterwards. And I remember I went from the kitchen into the bedroom just to get my slippers. I think my mom came in after me about, after about five minutes. I was just sitting on the bed crying. I couldn't remember why I was yeah, crying. I, know. I didn't know what I was crying about, but it was just this complete loss of control over my emotions. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah One of the texters really, really there, actually, that, that if I can just find the text, because there's quite an amount of them, said... Um, that it does lead to issues within marriages or relationships because men do not support or understand their partners. What would you What would you think of that? Um, like I'm not in a relationship at the moment. I suppose like the men that I deal with in my life are like you know my dad, my uncles, my brother. They've all been like very accepting of it. Like in fairness to my dad, he's actually said a few times he'd like to see you know like menopause discussions in the workplace because he he was thinking one day you know obviously his daughter is going through this quite young and also his wife is going through it and he's kind of saying you know there must be women working with me that are having these difficulties but just fair play to him because he's very forward thinking in that regard and I just mentioned there a while ago that certainly one bank Bank of Ireland are giving 10 days menopausal leave I mean should should that be statutory And, and even period pain leave what do you think of that? You see, I suppose just my own view on it is that period pain leave. I was told by the consultant in in London who was a specialist in, he's a world-renowned specialist in in endometriosis care. And he said to me, if you're taking anything stronger than ibuprofen over the counter for your period pain, then you have a, a, a gynae disorder that needs to be examined and treated. Do you know, I think... Ah, but there are girls going to school crippled in period pain and there were women going to work crippled with period pain. Um, Exactly, but that shouldn't be the case, you see. That's, that's, they need to be, those women need to be evaluated and see if there's another issue there, if it's endometriosis. I'm just curious as to whether time should be... Yeah, I know that, but you can, and you can follow all of that up. But in real time, you know, because men don't have these issues in the workplace or or in our lives. 
No, no, they don't. And I suppose like menopause leave is probably something I'd like to see because everyone is going to suffer at some stage, either when it's getting their HRT right, when they're perimenopausal and they're not sure what's going on. Do you know what I mean? So it is something that I do think people need because like I said to you, like, do you know, like, I suppose another thing, right, is you can you can get insomnia. Now, again, I'd only get bouts of it. But if I'm getting a bout of insomnia, I could have maybe six hours sleep over three days. Yeah. That's not great when you need to be concentrating at work. Here's another one for you. Um, everyone's different, but I started at 39. Haven't slept more than two hours straight without waking ever since. My normal best average would be four hours a night. Um, I was offered sleeping tablets, but refused them. Um, is there a shortage of HRT? There, I'm, I know there was last year because I myself, I had a terrible time meal trying to get HRT last year. Like, I think there was one day I rang nearly 30 chemists. Like, I'm in Dublin now, but like, I even rang the ones at home in Cork. Do you know what I mean? And I could not get HRT anywhere. And it's not a case of, do you know now, if you were, if you were in pain, you could take a different painkiller. It's not like that. Like, I use gel, so a patch strength would be different for me. The tablets don't suit me like I get terrible um, side effects from them but is it but is it available to all women who requested from a GP Um, it's up to the GP to to prescribe it and you see that's another problem as well because some of the GPs don't feel confident with it like I go to a menopause consultant myself because I just because I'm so young going through it I just wanted to make sure I had the very best care more than anything because Are you out you the know, other side now? No, and I won't be I won't be until until I'm well into my fifties Neil. I'll be on HRT for the next twenty okay, years. Okay. Okay. And I, I knew that going into okay. the operation, yeah. you know, but it's Orla says uh, women's health has never been a priority. There's still the attitude from medical professionals of women being hysterical. From painful periods to pregnancy to childbirth to menopause, an entire full circle of being discriminated against and gaslit. This country is a disgrace when it comes to women's health, especially from the medical profession. Shove another pill down you, that'll sort it. I find it all sickening, says Orla. Can you relate to any of that? I can completely, like I suppose I was lucky with my GP. He was very good, like always believed that I was in pain, always tried to do his best for me. But it was like when I got to a hospital situation, I was passed from pillar to post. Like I actually had one consultant tell me that, like, you know, I should go away, have a child and come back because I'd grow out of it. That would sort my problems. Yeah, okay. I guess it was all in my head. Like, yeah, yeah. Hold on there. Really yeah, hold really on there. Hard. I want to bring in Barbara Scully, who actually wrote the book, Wise Up. Um, um, a woman who herself came through menopause and is bringing wisdom uh, to the topic. Barbara, how much of did you hear there with my conversation with uh, I was listening with interest. With Jess. Jess. Hiya, Jess. Yeah, absolutely. Hiya, um, hiya, how are you doing, Jess? You're some woman, so you are. But then again, I think most women are some women. <laughs> <laughs> it's talked about more now, thank God, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, obviously I'm, I'm about... I don't know, 10 times Jess's, no, not 10 times Jess's age, but I'm 60, I turned 60 in January. And um, I mean, certainly the change in my lifetime has been enormous. I mean, I grew up at a time when you didn't, and I think most women did, I don't think it changed until relatively recently, where not only did we not talk about menopause, even the word menopause, I don't think I heard uh, for many years, it was the change. And it was said like, you know, under your breath, and it was kind of all wrapped Mm. in secrecy. We didn't talk about periods. I mean, you know, most, and I mean, I think women and girls 
still have to go through that of having a period every month and pretending you don't. Yeah. Like that's one of the biggest things I think that as women we learn. Why to why does that why do why do women do that? I don't think women did. I think it was just that it wasn't spoken about. It was it was something that you had to hide, um, you know, so that if you did have your period, you struggled along and you told nobody. But I mean, you know, there's there's all kind of logistical, practical, psychological, emotional, um, and physical aspects of your, your a monthly period, well, which we have learned to hide. So therefore, when we come to menopause, we don't really talk about that much. So either. it affects so relationships, of course. It also reflects yeah. people's performance or ability to go to work. You saw that story earlier in the week was saying women are quitting work. Workplace faces an exodus of female employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, but I do think that, and again, I think, you know, putting my feminist hat on, there is a slight part to me that goes, oh my God, <laughs> you know, are we going to be seen as being the weaker sex, less able, less reliable, less everything? But in actual fact, I think that our female biology actually makes us warrior women, actually makes us stronger actually makes us more uh, able as long as we get the kind of flexibility that perhaps that we need the problem with women and and the problem i suppose with feminism and, and with women's fight for equality is that we have fought to be equal in a world that has been designed by men for men mm. and i think we now mm. need to change that world so that it accommodates both men and women equally and we are different we are mm. not the same uh, and our needs are different yeah. and i think that's great and i hope that that is what happens okay just one or two i want to get more texts in because people are contributing michelle says at least we're more open about it now women are starting to talk openly about how they feel physically and emotionally we're slowly crawling out of the dark ages interesting perspective Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that's to be welcomed. I mean, the other thing that I think, having watched how the conversation, particularly in the last year or two around menopause, has come out of the shadows and has become more mainstream. I'm also, and I mean, leaving Jess's experience aside, which, you know, is, is, um, is, I suppose, it wouldn't be the norm, wouldn't be the the, No, no, it wouldn't be unusual. It should be unusual. But I think also that, you know, like pregnancy, like periods and menopause affect every woman differently. Not all women have a difficult menopause. A lot of women sail through menopause reasonably uh, reasonably easily, reasonably okay. But I think that, that the really important message, particularly to women in their 40s and 50s who are perimenopause and heading into menopause, is that it is only, in general, again, leaving Jess's experience aside, it is only a stage. It is a portal. It is a gateway. It's not a permanent state of affairs. And I think that's a really yeah. important message to get out there, is that, you know, you pass through menopause, and once you come out the other side of menopause, you are, for the first time since you were 12 or 13, you are completely free of your female biology. And that is a huge, huge seismic change in a woman's but life. But that could take up and to 10 years, though. Oh, it could take up to 10 years. Yeah, it could take up to 10 years. But it could, t- you know, I mean, you, it doesn't necessarily mean that those 10 years will be horrific. Um, they will be challenging. How was it? I mean, how was it for you? You wrote the book on it, clearly for a reason. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I mean, my book is mainly about after menopause rather than menopause itself. Um, Because I'm not an expert in menopause. I'm only an expert in my own menopause. And I was lucky in that I had a reasonably straightforward menopause. I didn't have any major uh, challenges. Now, I'm aware that as I say this, my husband or my children might say, holy God, she thinks she was all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it was just, I was just wondering if you hadn't any effects from it, how do you know you ever went through it? <laughs> I'm fairly sure. Uh, but I did have some effects, you know. I mean, I did have hot flushes, but they weren't that bad. I did have maybe broken sleep, but I sleep like a train. So my idea of broken sleep is somebody else's great night's sleep. Um, and my, my worst symptom probably was um, migraines, uh, which again have a hormonal uh, element very often to them. And I started to suffer from migraines, which had a knock-on effect and meant that I had to give up alcohol, which was, you know, psychologically... It was difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting over that. I'm trying to get back into it slowly. But, um, You've lost the habit. There was a poll done recently that said seven in ten women, out of a thousand women that took part in a survey... They said that seven in ten women blamed menopause for their divorce or problems within their relationship. Said it increased arguments or even led to domestic abuse. That's pretty scaring. Seven in ten. Yeah, that that is huge. Uh, but I presume that seven in ten who got divorced blame menopause for it. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, again, it comes back to my belief, which is. That it is, you know, it used to be called, as I say, the change. And it does signify an enormous change in a woman's life. And I think what happens is it coincides. Your menopause and getting through your menopause coincides perhaps with the end of your hands-on being a parent. You know, your kids, if you have kids, are adults. Now, they mightn't be left. They might be, they might be still around. But they don't need you in the way that they used to need you. It may also... Um, coincide with you perhaps retiring from paid work or change you know there's a whole reinvention piece that goes along and I think that might also feed into women going you know what I'm not putting up with this anymore because I'm powerful and I'm strong and I can do whatever the hell I want yeah but the lot um, wouldn't be finished in employment if for many menopause can start in their in say their mid 40s with perimenopause right Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that once you get through the worst of it, it very often coincides with all these other um, changes in your life, which means that you are in this amazing period of life where you have no periods and you have no menopause. Oh, and the book then is about life after and how brilliant it can be. It can be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it can be. And, and, And that's one of the messages I want to get out to women is that, yeah, your menopause can be a bit of a, you know, bit of a nightmare. But once you get through it, you know, stick with it. Because once you get through it, it's amazing. Once you realise my female biology has, you know, disappeared. Um, but for but amazing. for a man who doesn't have this, you know, where we, yeah. we I mean, we, we might be in bad form or, you know, get down a bit. But something you have it no control. It might be all right. <laughs> it might be, yeah. The grumpy old but, man thing but, is real, yeah. But something that, something that you can't put your finger on for long periods of time for women. Mood and anxiety and, you know... Uh, even the issue of brain fog or lack of concentration or mood changes, that, that's very debilitating for a long period of time. And men don't have that issue. Um, no, they probably, although again, like I don't know. Now again, I'm no expert, but I live with a man who's the same age as me. And although, yes, I had menopause and I had, you know, obviously the, the symptoms that I could definitely say were menopausal symptoms. He's also having, I mean, I've often talked about his menopause. <laughs> <laughs> where he's now become deaf and doesn't hear half what's going on. But that's and just an aging thing, grumpy. surely. Oh. He, yeah, but, but how much of what women go through is actually just getting older as well? Like, he's as forgetful as I am. Um, so, you know, I think we have to be careful about lumping too much in to saying it's menopause and that, you know, men are completely insulated from... Some of it is just getting older. Well, we don't um, have children. We don't go through period pain. We don't go through no. labour pain. No, we 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 don't have a character a characterization like menopause. So, 
No, yeah, it's, no, it's you easier. Don't, but it doesn't mean you don't change as you get older, because you do. Um, and I think that, but I mean, I agree with you. Obviously, a women's menopause is, is, is a much bigger event in a woman's life. But part of why it's brilliant that it's being taken out of the shadows and it's being talked about is that women traditionally have been really good at talking about these kind of issues among ourselves talking to our sisters and our other women, friends, about whatever we're experiencing. But now the fact that these conversations are hitting the mainstream, it's making it easier for women to talk more openly. So would both of you be encouraging women to talk more openly? Absolutely, for sure, yes. Like, I suppose I would, especially, like, when it comes to younger women. Like, I, I know, like, obviously what happened to me isn't the norm of what happens, but, like, I've met women since I... Be, kind of became more public about what I went through and like younger women do need to know the signs especially the signs of perimenopause because I suppose Neil I just think if I'd known if I'd realised the symptoms I was having were perimenopause I might have been in a position well, to what, what are the perimenopause symptoms are they like menopause light or something pretty much to be honest like they like you'd start to have the symptoms kind of intermittently um like, I suppose the fact that, like, my period stopped, like, I thought all, all that was to do with the with the surgeries that I'd had, but it, it wasn't. Like, you know, I thought the mood swings were, I thought the, the hot flushes were, because, you know, like, I'd had an ovary removed, so I presumed this yeah, is what yeah. happened to women. But, like, if I'd known, like, maybe I could have frozen my eggs, maybe I could have had time for IVF, do you know what I mean? But by the time I found out, it was too late. Like, And I suppose I just wouldn't want another woman in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you any issue with the, with the GPs prescribing then, Barbara? Because there's an awful lot of texts from people saying that doctors and men need awareness of how serious going through menopause is. It's a disgrace the way women are treated by doctors. I went through 10 years of hell before I was given HRT. What? Why are some doctors slow? Because I don't know, but probably because it's not. Um, I'd never had to go to the doctor about menopause. Never. Thankfully, I'm lucky. I never. I never discussed it with my doctor at all. And, and I, you know, I'm lucky. But I know there's a lot of women like me as well. Um, so I don't have any direct experience of that. But I do remember my mother, and this would have been back in probably the early eighties. She had, she kind of hit menopause early enough and was dealing with really, really, really heavy periods like that were really getting in the way of her lifestyle. She'd gone back to work and she was having a terrible time. And I remember how, how many doctor's appointments and how many specialists she had to be referred to before one of them. And now she had had her children, as I say, she was probably in her late 40s and she wanted a hysterectomy because she just felt she couldn't, she couldn't live her life. Yeah. Um, and uh, she had to, it took her, I don't know how many appointments, and I remember her telling me in the end, she had to go in like a hysterical mad woman before somebody took her seriously yeah. um, and, 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 did the, and did the hysterectomy. After which she was, uh, she, she had her life back. Um, so I'm not surprised to hear that, that, that doctors still, aren't as up to speed as they should be. But I presume, you know, I mean, doctors live in society. So if we're not talking about menopause openly, I presume it's not a huge part of training either. And it should be. So hopefully all of that is going to change. Keep talking then is one of the things to be driving the message on. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it. I'll get some more calls after 11 this morning. Uh, Thank you both for taking my call. Thanks, Jess. Look after yourself and Barbara Scully as well. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104. 106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Martin has an interesting perspective as a male. It's amazing that as a species, us humans 
have only had issues that need pills and medicines to live on in the last 100 years. As a species, we've existed for thousands of years. We use natural remedies. Our own immune systems work very well. All of this is to do with antibiotics and superbug resistance and big pharma meaning big profits. That's an interesting perspective. Go tell a woman going through um, menopause without HRT and see what they'd say to you. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Red FM's Wealthy Witch is cackling and howling somewhere in Cork right now. Can you claim Red FM's cauldron of cash before the witching hour is up? See Red FM's social channels and stay listening for the clues you need to win on Red FM's Shock Just staying with that, actually. I just gave the clue out there. It's a tough clue, isn't it? It's worth €850 in the cauldron of cash today. The clue being, you'd be an idiot not to head west to find a castle. But be careful, if not handled correctly, this message could self-destruct. There's smarter people out there than me, and somebody surely is going to identify where that is and get there ASAP. It's down west somewhere, isn't it? West to find a castle. 850 euro cash. Walk right up to that wealthy witch and say, Wealthy witch, I claim the Red FM's cauldron of cash. You'll be 850 euro better off. Um, with regards to the weather issues, people have been sending me, or somebody has sent me some photographs from homeless people around the city from overnight last night, and they'll be there again tonight. God almighty, there's one of them actually, uh, without one to identify the people behind it, but there's some awfully sad photographs in the South Mall in doorways earlier on this morning with an old sleeping bag thrown over him and his legs out the end of it. It's very sad. And then there are more photographs coming in from other topics this morning, including dirty buses. One of the photographs, I can, I just cannot make out what in the name of God people are doing on buses these days, the stuff they leave behind them, to be quite honest with you. Quite an amount of text on bus-related issues then. And indeed, uh, from the point of view of talking to the GRA this morning, there is so much open drug dealing in the city and the guards are out trying to catch motorists speeding, it sums it up, really. Um, I don't want this to, in any way, shape, or form, to be critical of individual guards who follow the duties and the requirements that they're sent to do, and that includes the traffic corps. Uh, how can you say two guardy hiding behind a wall on banned off-road, checking speed at the top of the hill where drivers are naturally increasing? How can that be fair? And a lot then on buses, uh, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. Uh, some more texts, actually, over the last uh, couple of days regarding menopause, and we've been talking about it uh, on the air this morning and I want to come back to read out some of those also but Sheila has been waiting far too long I want to get her on air Sheila good morning good morning Neil before I want to just get off the top there though, for one minute that's grand about home, homeless people last night why you, can't the city hall open to be called by night for the winter they could do it for Covid it's not the first time I've heard that and I can't I can't like, remember they, they gave a reason I think it had something to do with insurance they could security they can block it off Neil they, I mean we had Covid you have cancers, you have everything. I know now you're coming off the subject, but I just get annoyed when I saw Sunday night and saw people homeless and I seen Katrina pleading for somebody to do something. I know it. I'm not joking, my heart was broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I they think said to me at happen. the time, I think they said to me at the time that it had something to do with public liability insurance overnight and things like that that, that, that they couldn't do it for that reason well there you know you know if there's a will there's a way yeah well if there had been a will, a will if, yeah, a way. yeah they could have, they could have done that over covid certainly because uh, i know simon put on extra them. beds but city hall didn't city hall did no, nothing i nothing. think they could be even only camp beds 
gay clubs, anything. They can do it for everyone else. I'm not going into the ward now again, but they can do it for everyone. Please, the weather's getting very bad. Do it. I mean, somebody has to have Kathleen to me. She's doing her best. Wise words. Wise words. Right? From Pertia. Now yeah. we come back to our subject. Yeah. <laughs> how, how was it for you? How is it for me? Is it? Pardon me. How is it for you? Now, Neil, I'm on it a very long time, but what I want, what I rang first about is I've never, never had any complaints getting my HRT. And I'm on gel because I use the same chemist the whole, the whole time. So they do look after their customers. Okay, because and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it, but I, I, I'm glad to hear it, but I am getting, I have been contacted by people who have had had problems in the past with GPs. They have. I had problems when I was on the patch and the patch wasn't on the medical card and I had to buy the gel. Here's an right? example of one. No woman's health is, is not taken seriously. Doctors need to stop using, actually they say it's not taken seriously. Doctors need to stop using their protocol of giving antidepressants for everything in relation to women's health. Yes, but when when I couldn't get the patch, I had to pay for the gel, 130 euro a month. Why couldn't you get the patch? Because there was a shortage of them. Still is. Well, I was put on the gel then, but I had to pay for it. But eventually, they put it onto the medical card, so I never have any problem getting it now, everyone. Good, 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 good. Any symptoms? Well, I couldn't do without it, to be honest with you, and I'm on a 28 years. I know. Say if you, but, but, yeah. And then said, well, go there, it's only about 10 years. That's grand if you have your room and you have your ovaries. If you don't have ovaries, you can't make these again. Mm, mm. Did you have any problems talking with other women and other people about it? Oh, my God, no, because, I mean, like, even when I had my hysterectomy first, I couldn't stop crying, I don't know. But, you know, as my doctor said to me, you have a hole inside, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... But like my son used and my daughter used to say, what's wrong with me? But if I knew what was wrong with me, I wouldn't have been crying. I know, I know, I know. You know? Yeah. It's hard, it's hard. But look, all I'm saying is there's people older than me, even on HRT still. Some people can get over it, other people can't. I know if I didn't have HRT, I wouldn't get out of my house course all day. All of all of those issues would return then, wouldn't they, without the HRT? All of these side effects yes, of and, it. Well, I know I put on weight from it. I've never had a chest. I have a chest now. I wish to God I could have had this, but I... <laughs> you could have done with this, do you say? <laughs> I could have done with it before. It's like a man, you know, and, oh my God, I'm like Dolly Patton. <laughs> I'd say you'd have no problem discussing All issues I in your life. At the moment now, Neelis, here's my chest, my ass is coming. <laughs> because I have both. <laughs> Well, I think big boobs and big bums are in vogue now at the moment, so no problem there, Sheila. Well, not if you haven't, me. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, everyone don't get over it. And some of us need medication. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. And you know what? I don't care how long, I mean, they told you before it was dangerous. But I would have rather have a short and happy life than have a long and miserable one. With all of the side effects of menopause yes. and perimenopause. Yes. We went through some of them this morning, yeah. Who'd want yeah. to take all that on board? That's what I'm saying. A short and happy one is best than a long and miserable. Because if you're miserable, you're making everyone else miserable. That's it. Worse. You've, all, you've great advice this morning on lots of different Hasn't topics. That? Wise words. Thanks, Thanks so much, Sheila. Take me. care. Thanks all the best. Bye-bye. Take care. Let me stay with the phone lines. Antoinette, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Ah, she's a tonic for the troops, isn't she? <laughs> <Fair to start. laughs> anyway, your own, your own situation. Do share. Yeah, so I suppose, Neil, going back to when I started getting periods, I, I started when I was 12 years old. They were very heavy, always. 
um, when I was about 15, um, I was sent in for an ultrasound um, with my mother. And at 15, I was told that I would very unlikely have kids. Right. Um, I had something called polycystic ovary syndrome. Yes, so, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so long, long time, miserable with periods. Eventually went on to have three beautiful children. <laughs> very, very lucky, but I needed help with two of them. So I did have fertility treatment with my last two, my yeah. two babies. Yeah. Um, so about, I suppose about three and a half years ago, um, I went into the CUMH um, to meet with a consultant, gynecologist. Um, I had begged for a hysterectomy. Why? Um, I was in agony every single month, really heavy bleeding, um, no energy, really emotional, couldn't kind of talk to my husband, had no energy for the kids. What do you mean couldn't talk to your husband? I'm interested in that. Yeah, I I was in so much pain. I was doubled over with a hot water bottle, painkillers, just really, really down, down on myself, really depressed. Um, you can see how that impacts on relationships oh, when you describe it like that. absolutely. Come here, my husband's a trooper. Yes. And I am I'm really blessed to have him. I truly am because anyone else would have walked away. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, I went in and I explained to this male gynecologist that my two youngest children have recently been diagnosed with autism, um, that I needed to be able to get up, go to appointments, function, you know, play, function. play with my kids, yeah, yeah. function, yeah. Rare basically them. function and rear them yeah. and give them the best quality of life, I suppose, that, that we could. You were incapacitated um, big time. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was in bits. Now, I had tried several methods of contraception. I tried the pill, the patch, the bar, nothing was working. He looked at me in the face and he said, you need to try the coil. I said, I don't want to put anything into my body. He was like, well, it's like this. You need to earn your hysterectomy. Earn your hysterectomy? Yeah. <laughs> that- you need to earn it. I said, hang on now a second. I said, you're telling me the years. I said, of bleeding through my clothes. I said, cuts. I said, passing out. I said, iron injections, B12 injections. I said, I haven't earned it. Did you, do yes. you think what he meant was you have to try all sorts of other routes first? This was very condescending. If he had gone on to explain, look, this is a high-risk surgery, you know, would you maybe consider trying this first? Would was condescending, goes? yeah. You have to but earn But he had a smirk, smirk in his face and he said, you need to earn your hysterectomy. So what did you do? I mean, you clearly and left. I, I got up and I, I was in so much shock. Like, I even saw the nurse's face and she kind of looked bewildered and I kind of looked at him and I went, okay. And I walked out and... I got home and God rest my mother. I said, ma'am, I said, he told me I need to earn my hysterectomy. Should be, he what? I said, he told me I need to earn, earn a hysterectomy. It's your body. It's your what? body. I mean, I know we talk about women's rights to, to, to look so after. I, yeah. What do you mean you need to earn it? I said, he, he won't do it. He told me he won't do it unless I try this. Yeah. And she said, sure. She said, she's called me Nettie. She said, Nettie, I had the coin. And she said, I was in an awful state, she said, when I got that in. All right, so did your mum say, uh, go find yourself a female consultant girl? She did. Um, I went to my own doctor, and my doctor said, look, and said, well, we, we just tried the quiet. She said, look, it is a better solution than being cut open. I said, look, I said, I'm really hesitant to get it in. So 
we had a long chat about it and I said, look, okay, we'll try it. So last January, I got the coil in. Um, I was kind of told what to expect, but I was bleeding nonstop, Neil. I mean, I might stop for two or three days and then here we go again. I was exhausted. So I went back to my doctor. I said, look, I said, this isn't working out. I said, I really, I said, can you please write in to the female consultant, please ring into her, ring or write to her yeah. and tell her yeah, I need yeah. to see her. Yeah. So I met with her in August and I had my hysterectomy last week. Okay. Does that, does that automatically mean that that triggers menopause? They were able to leave one over. They took everything else. So I will probably go into menopause earlier. But when she took out um, my ovary and my womb, she said, that's it. Your womb is huge. You have something called adenomyosis, where the womb is bigger than it should be. She said it was growing its own blood vessels. She said it was so big. Was the, and that was said, resulting in all of the pain and the bleeding yeah, and everything else that you said, were suffering. Your, your ovary is completely mangled. She said, we had to take it. She said... Your organs were covered in endometriosis. We had to clean it off, yeah, your organs. I know, I know, I know. And when they took the womb there, after finding something now in my liver that they couldn't see because my womb was so big. Is this, is, this, is this message that people need to listen more to women, is it? They need to listen to their bodies. You know, even when I got the quiet, I knew I still didn't feel right. You know, you need to, you need to fight. You can say, no, this isn't good enough. Fight, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, okay. it's not good enough. I need you to do this. You know, I have no quality of life. Thanks for sharing that, Antoinette. Let me get some yeah. more texts on the air. I haven't slept for more than two hours every night. When I first mentioned it to one of my docs years ago, his answer was, you're getting older. And you don't want to be going down the sleeping tablet route. End of story. Over the years, I brought it up with other doctors while in for other stuff. And it was like they just all ignored my concerns. Never, ever offered any help or anything. I'm at my wit's end now with lack of sleep, but do not mention any more to doctors because I've been made feel I'm making a big thing out of it. The result is I have a bedroom locker that's full of over-the-counter chemist stuff and health store stuff, but nothing ever works for me. Uh, one or two more uh, by text on this one. It's not a priority. Women's health means nothing in this country. We're like a third world country the way we are treated and menopause is not taken seriously at all. All your hormones are up in a heap. And it's bound to affect women's health mentally and physically. We give birth to babies, which is not, which is the hardest part for us at the moment. But the aftermath years later is not allowed to be entertained ever. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break, Amy standing by. Thank you. The witching hour is upon us. If you spot the wealthy witch, make sure to say I claim Red FM's cauldron of cash. Red FM's shock shoulder. Neil Prendeville, Gold Imro Award winner for Speech Broadcaster of the Year. Cork's Red FM. Well, you learn something new every day. There is a male equivalent to menopause. It's called andropause. And, alarmingly, many of the symptoms are the very same. Or indeed, I should say the side effects. Mood swings, depression, headaches, night sweats, insomnia, weight gain, bone loss, decreased motivation, lack of focus, no energy, muscle loss, erectile dysfunction. So there is the equivalent with males. It's called Andro, I got a, the reason I found out is Vania got in touch, said people need to get educated and understand that men also go through andropause, uh, andropause, uh, news to me. Um, and then you can look at it from the point of view of the age. They say that uh, these 
Men's develop depression, loss of sex drive, erectile dysfunction, other physical and emotional symptoms, andropause when they reach their late 40s to early 50s. Um, uh, That's news to me. I mean, uh, I'm just looking at the guidelines here from the HSE. I may well come back to that as to whether or not men talk about this. I guess as you get older, of course, erectile dysfunction becomes more of an issue. Uh, as you get older, I guess, loss of sex drive also becomes more of an issue. But the emotional ones related to it or the issues regarding depression and mood swings and things like that, it seems very similar, they're saying, to menopause. I wonder how women would feel about even discussing the male equivalent to it. Uh, imagine that some women would get quite angry to think uh, that, um, you know, it's the same for both sexes. Anyway, text 0868104106. Amy's been waiting. Amy, good morning. Hi there, Nan. So a lot more people now, women, are talking about their health and things that they go through. What was your own situation? Uh, similar to the previous stories there, it did start very early in my life, about 15, 16 years of age before leaving cert exams. I was starting to faint and get heavy periods. So I was diagnosed as well with polycystic ovaries at the time. Yeah. Um, I was put on all different types of pills, got the implant in my arm and the injections in my butt a few times, put on about two stone each time I was made kind of go on to that. Um, I unfortunately lost a child in, in my mid-twenties, so I decided that with the complications of polycystic ovaries that I was going to adopt, I was going to work hard and get a good home ready to, you know, adopt those children that yeah. need a home. Yeah. But unfortunately, after years and years of begging, um, I was refused um, his me. I was refused my ovaries being removed because, um, you know, they wanted me to have a child. Um, I won't go through the years of um, being on the floor, collected by ambulances in more than one country, brought into hospital, begged them not to let me go because I wanted them to find out what was wrong. Um, And eventually, um, two years ago, I got a telephone consultation due to coronavirus, so I found it easier to speak on the phone. So I went through everything with the specialist for almost two hours and begged her um, to please go in and look. And I got agreement, um, which was a massive breakthrough um, after fighting for that for so long. Mm. When you said earlier on they wanted you to have children, what do you mean by that? Doctors, medical, doctors, hospitals, anywhere where I asked to to just get it out. Or was it saying we don't want to take away your ability to have children? That's it. It was not my choice, even though I knew from an early age and I told them, that I wanted to look after children that were already out there that needed parents. Um, and um, oh, it just gets a bit bad. So when, just before I went into the theatre, um, three minutes before the theatre, my gown on and everything, the surgeon who was operating on me came out and said, just to let you know, we might not find anything. Sometimes it's in your head. Why, um, why would, yeah, I can't see the point in even saying that. I thought it was very cruel. Um, and then afterwards, um, I again started saying, what do we do next? And they just, the blunt answer was, we are not removing your ovaries. And there was um, a woman getting her hysterectomy over the age of 50 in the same ward. And I was really asking her, how can I, you know, how can I, how can I try to get what you're getting and not wait another 10 years? Because I don't want to wait another 10 years. Um, and she said, you know, in no other words, that she had to say that, you know, she was suicidal. And even though I have very logically said to doctors in hospitals, in hospitals and to GPs before that, 
rather than this quality of life, I'd be quite happy to, you know, get euthanasia and right. move on. Okay. It's just it's just very, very hard to live with it. Yeah. Um but um at the end of the conversation when I was saying to the specialist, look, he found the endo, they found it both sides of the pelvic wall. My bowel was connected to my womb, which is why I was having terrible stomach problems and eating problems. Um and they had to remove growths from the rectum and both sides of the pelvic wall. Um, and I was told to just continue how I have been. In other words, just back on all these different pills and injections and... No hysterectomy. Or whatever I can do, Neil. No hysterectomy. I've been told no. So currently I'm trying to speak to um, a, a very, very good girl who's been bringing up awareness. Her name is Lisa Tierney-Kyo. I found her online and I'm currently in contact with her trying to find a way to even go to America where she went to try and get something done to give me some kind of quality of life. Back. Okay, because you have zero quality of life, you would say. Um, I concentrate very much on my career and keeping my job going. So even the nights when you'd be exhausted and up at maybe waking at 4, 4 a.m. if the medication breaks and um, wears off, you could be two or three hours on the floor in, in sweat and in pain. But yes, I get up and I, and I make my work. Um, you must be exhausted all the time, though. Um, yes. N- never mind the emotional impact on you. Um, when I was leaving CUH, the doctor actually said to me, um, I hope you get some help with your mental health. After explaining to her that my mental health was not doing well because of the exhaustion. As a consequence of it all. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know. And did that woman so really tell you inside in the, in the hospital that the reason that she eventually got the hysterectomy was she said she, I'm suicidal. Yes. And it made me very upset because um, 15 years beforehand, I had been in a hospital explaining to them that I, very rationally, that my mental health is fine. It's just that I don't understand why nobody is listening, nobody is helping, and how I don't have the right to get this womb out of my body. When I was younger, I used to, you know, punch and burn my stomach to try and get the pain away from the inside. Oh my God, this is so sad to listen to. Um, And I just came on, Neil, because I don't want other girls going through it. If you're 18 or 20 years of age now, just stand up and fight and and get the help you need. It's not worth struggling for 20 years. But you have been trying for all of those years to get the help you need. I have in three countries now. And why, what do you think were the common reasons that no, nobody will help? They, they were still perhaps looked at as, as the baby makers. Um, it's the way they're trained and they're told. But it's, your, but it's your body. You wish to have a hysterectomy and the removal. I'm not a medical person. I don't know what the consequences are of it. I'm, I'm quite sure there are consequences, but they could be managed if you wish it to happen. The consequences I already researched years and years ago and was very, very happy to go into the menopause. I couldn't think of anything better than the menopause in comparison to living this quality of life. Um, but it seems that I don't have the right. But, uh, but you're being denied. I, mean, I think it's Multiple extraordinary. Times, you're yeah. being denied a happy life. I am, yeah. Well, my life is happy. I mean... You know, well, I, I work you know, around it, yeah. but when this comes on twice a month, it can be very exhausting. Once a month, you can just about manage. I have a lot of medication that uh, my, my GP, my family GP, only sat there and said, you're only having constant. Um, and I begged for everything, anything at all to try anything else. 
and I had to leave that family doctor and I got another doctor who eventually has, has now, you know, has a mixture of spasm medications along with tummy medications to help with the harder, the harder um, painkillers and to help me sleep at night. Mm. Mm. But they have side effects too, Neil. I but prefer e- e- to not have to take them. Yeah, at the, at the end, it is our body, right? I understand all of that, and our body well, parts are our own. I don't believe anymore, unfortunately. How, how do you mean? Just after being told so many times I'm not allowed to do what I need to get done, you start to just think, okay, it, it's obviously not my body. I know what you mean, yeah. I know when you put it like that, yeah, that's the way it would seem to you. One would think that all those involved in... Uh, in medicine would have the best interest of the patient at heart, you included, you know, in all of these different countries all saying the same thing. But my body, my rights come to mind all of the time, you know. I know. Um, I suppose I understand that back in the days when we couldn't work and have our own career and we had, you know, we could be at home and our women problems weren't as, you know, weren't affecting our lives as much, perhaps, yeah. um, being yeah. mothers. And I can understand that population-wise, but nowadays, surely, I, I hope that we'll get to the point where girls, you know, in their 20s will have that choice. Listen, thank you so much for taking the call, Amy. Um, My pleasure. Um, I wish you Look, the best of luck going forward, you know. I know that's thanks, easy Neil, and if there's say. anyone at all that comes on to you that's dealing with this, um, I've researched everything for so long that I've no problem giving my email address to you if they want to contact me, if anyone's okay. Okay. in a bad way with okay. it just now, okay? All right, I certainly will pass that on. Thank you, Amy. Okay. Michelle may Thank be you. one of those, actually, uh, joins me by phone. Michelle, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are, are you? Are you crying out for a hysterectomy? I am, I am. I am because I had breast cancer f- almost five years ago and the breast cancer that I had was hormone driven so my doctor after multiple surgeries and chemo and radiation and all of that I was put on two different types of of hormone suppressors I take a chemo every 28 days through injection and I take a tablet every day and they suppress estrogen and progesterone in my body because those were the hormones that grew the cancer and they stop any from being absorbed should I happen to produce it. And as a result of that, I was put into menopause at 42 and I am just at the end of my tether. I sweat from my elbows, the back of my knees. When I get up out of bed in the morning, I'm like, a person of 80 who needs a walking stick. I have migraines to the point where I vomit from them. Um, I Last night I slept for about an hour and a half and there is nothing. I can't take HRT. There is nothing. And I mean, there is nothing that they can do. I want You can't to take it or you can't get it? I can't take it. I, they will not prescribe it because for me. Of because of the complications with cancer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. When, so when, you're, I, when you're not sleeping, you're just lying in the bed. Yeah, counting, yeah, reading on my phone or just, you know, going right, you know, maybe in an hour you fall asleep or you might get up and go downstairs and make a cup of tea. And, and it's, you know what, it's not even the sleeping because you, you, you just get used to being exhausted. It's the brain fog. Like that lady that was on earlier was talking. I booked a weekend away last weekend. And when we got up there, I had arrived a day early. Over the summer, I had arrived a day early for our summer holidays at the airport. Um, I forget things, just things that would have never been me. I would have been hugely organized and very, you know, kind of particular about things, getting things done. And it's just, it's changed. And I 
we, my mum passed away in, in December and we have found out that it was undiagnosed ovarian cancer. She had a hysterectomy when she was in her 40s and they left her ovaries. And I have already had breast cancer. I'm waiting to find out whether or not I have the BRCA2 gene. Yeah. And still, still, the doctors are like, well, let's wait and see. And I'm, and it's like wait and see for what? I'm not having. There's, I'm not having children. Just do it. I, yeah, nope, no, no. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. Yeah, it's very frustrating. And it's, it's. There's nothing. There are a lot of women in my situation who can't take HRT, who literally have to suffer in silence because there is absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing that the doctor will give you, not a single thing. You just have to get on with it. Yeah, I'm just trying to follow that, though, because obviously doctors know best and, and consultants know best when it comes to who they can and who can't yeah. and the reasons behind it. Um, yeah. uh, the, the, the issues of not getting HRT is because the complications of recovering yeah, and going through chemo for cancer yeah. and things, you know, yeah. so we need so, to be, be yeah. careful about that. Yeah, and and I, I completely, I, and I mean, I wouldn't take HRT because I can't take HRT and I understand that. But there's no alternative. There's so you no deal with all of the other, they call yeah. them symptoms. They're, they're really the effects of, really, aren't they? Yeah. Perimenopause yeah. And, and menopause. I always yeah. think that symptoms is the wrong term. They're there, they exist, they're real. They do. Yeah. yeah. And your body goes from producing hormones to not producing hormones. And, you know, when, when you have a younger girl who's going through puberty, there's a huge amount of understanding through that. And there's a huge amount of patience and you know but when you're older and you then stop producing those hormones there's no real understanding there there's no real kind of allowances made not that you know you want allowances made but it's it's just it's it's nice to hear it being spoken about on air and thank yeah, you for giving not the at topic. all no i mean i get i get that it needs to be talked about more and i do it annually mm-hmm. and it's right that we should but so for you without the hrt you will for a lengthy period of time deal with yeah. all of those different yeah. issues um yeah. how, how are you then with regards to you know your 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 mood um you know your your um, mental health being your stress and anxiety levels and things so my my I was never an anxious person ever. Like I was, I would never have been anxious. I would have been very easygoing. I've become very, very anxious over things. I obsess over things. Um, I've put on about forty pounds in the last four years. That just doesn't shift. Doesn't matter what I do. It just doesn't shift. Um, I can cry at the drop of a hat and I don't know why I'm crying and then I'm I'm fine two seconds later and it is what it is there's nothing's going to change it there's no yeah. counseling in the world there's no supplement that I can take there's nothing because these are, are there no natural are there no natural remedies no. at all that you can turn to so you can take things like magnesium and B12, but they really, and I have, but for me, they haven't really done anything. And for the majority of people, they haven't really done anything because your body, it's, it's the hormones that you're lacking. And other than introducing, reintroducing that hormone into your body, there's nothing that's going to, that's nothing that's going to replace that, you know? So it's just, it's, and it's a, it's a group. And it's one of the things that when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you then, it's like, right, I'm over the breast cancer, I'm over the chemo, I've done all the surgeries. And then this happens and there's nothing that can be done oh, at all. Oh my God, that's tough. You know? Yeah, it's, it's tough. A hard, it's a hard pill to swallow, it is. 
All right. Well, listen, um, it's important to share these stories, but uh, I, I mean, what can I say except, except listen? I, um, it's, it's a shame there aren't, there aren't alternatives for people like you. But it's good that you're giving it. It's good that you're giving people a voice and you, it's, you know, it's great that it's being spoken about. Okay. Well, thank you, Michelle. And thank you for that. Take care. Thanks for that. All Take the best. care now. Bye. Bye. You can always email Neil at redfm.ie if you have a story to share. Back after the break. If you spot the wealthy witch, make sure you say, I claim Red FM's cauldron of gag. Red FM's shock children. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Okay, we'll pick up the conversation again in the morning, but just on a lighter note for now. If you spot the wealthy witch, make sure you say, I claim Red FM's cauldron of gag. Red FM's shock children. It's worth €850 in this witching hour. You'd be an idiot not to head west to find a castle but be careful if not handled correctly this message could self-destruct any idea guys Emma good morning what do you think Hi Neil um, to be honest I'm with a hard one this morning yeah I, I find it very hard I think it'd be fine if it was head west to find a castle you could just check out every castle but the rest of the clue makes it difficult doesn't it yeah it does it kind of puts you off and that got me thinking I believe um, Ballincollig Shopping Centre is called Castle West so I believe, are we actually looking for a castle or is she around Ballincollig Shopping Centre? Okay, Castle West Shopping Centre, Ballincollig. But what about, if not handled correctly, this message could self-destruct? I was thinking about that as well. And isn't there, in Ballincollig, like a military graveyard or a gunpowder mill as well or something? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you down there? Because I had to collect my daughter from school. There's a very good chance you're going to miss 850 euro. You could be well, you could be well on the money with that. Oh, uh, snapping. We were in the wrong place yesterday and sure, not available then today. So maybe the witch right now is in the powder mills, the gunpowder mills. That's in, what I was in the thinking. in the regional park there or in the shopping yeah. center. Or in the sh- I, I know it's park. I look at the picture you put up, and it kind of looks like a walkway either behind the shopping centre. I can't see the, the online stuff. Is, the, is that a clue online? There's a picture online on Instagram of um, kind of like bushes and then like two <laughs> red poles. That's so it's kind of hard to make out. That's where it is. Like, I wish I got you on the air earlier. You've got to be right on that one. Let's let's find uh, out. Let's find out. Thanks, Emma. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Diana. Hiya. How are you? What do you think? Well, when I texted in first, I was 100% convinced she was in McCroom. I was just, I was convinced I was right because of the bit about um, the idiot. And there's a saying, isn't there, that McCroom never raised a fool? <laughs> so, and then the mention of the castle, obviously, you have the castle in McCroom. And at the entrance of the castle, you have two cannons. So I thought that, that was the self. Or the I love the way you broke that down. Okay, you'd be an idiot. Is because mm-hmm. it's McCroom because McCroom's the town that never reared a fool. Yeah. <laughs> There's also it. a castle in McCroom. Yeah, and yeah. The cannons. And there are cannons in McCroom outside so the castle. Was, yeah, and I had only left McCroom this morning at around twenty past ten, and I was saying, "Oh, sugar, I should have stayed around and looked." But anyway, but I'm gonna have to look at pictures on Facebook. <laughs> Will you please tell me the photographs there? Because I'm only seeing them now for the first there time. Is, and, yeah. Um, you know the 
where the time the I'm not familiar with I'm only half familiar with Alan Collar, but where the cinema is there, the Times Square. Yeah. There's a picture looking up onto Mr. Price and Maxi Zoo. So she was down in that car park <laughs> earlier and then there was the picture that that other girl said that's in a regional park. So but I'm a bit annoyed, like it's uh Ballancolic is hardly West Cork, come on now. <laughs> it's technically Cork City. <laughs> it's West though. Uh, just a little bit. You're actually going to have to come down to West Cork someday, though, or else the rest of us down here have no chance. The real West Cork, all right. <laughs> okay, all right. Good, good Go thinking, on. good thinking. Okay, take Thanks. care, Miss Marple. We've got a lot of Miss Marples. We've got a lot of uh, um, Jessica Fletchers this morning. You'd be an idiot not to head west to find a castle, but be careful. If not handled correctly, this message could self-destruct. That's worth €850 Euro in the cauldron of cash today. Please, somebody, track down the White Witch. Go up to her and say, Wealthy Witch! I said the White Witch. Wealthy Witch, I claim the Red FM's cauldron of cash. €850. Euro. Looking like balancholic, lads. Looking like balancholic. Last bit of business. I'll come back to everything else in the morning, I promise you. But I just want to go down to the CSPCA. Would you believe that they had dogs stolen? within the CSPCA last night. Hard to believe, I know, but it's true. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, you. About half past eight last night, you've even got a time on it. Two lurches and a terrier. What happened? Um, basically, two guys decided to cut a perimeter fence. We have a perimeter fence all around the, the, the premises. Cut the perimeter fence and they then broke the padlocks, cut the padlocks on three of our kennels and stole three dogs out of it. Do you think they knew what they were looking for? Um, well, the three dogs that are missing are uh, two lurchers and an ancient, I mean, just the, the Margaret is older than me, um, wow. hun- an old hunting terrier. So um, they went for specific breeds. They wanted to steal hunting dogs, is it? Technically speaking, yes. Oh and n- nine times out of ten, look, every every shelter and charity will tell you the same thing. Uh, the vast majority of lurchers that we see are actually no good for hunting. No. Because if they were, we wouldn't see them. I know, I know. They actually would be psychologically damaged dogs, wouldn't they? A lot of them. Well, you see, if if they have a, a hunting dog, Neil, it just knows how to hunt. He wouldn't technically be... Um, no, I'm just saying there could be dogs that were abused, is what I mean, you know? Yes, yeah. Now, these guys are just too friendly and... That's why we have them. Um, uh, do you have CCTV footage? Did you capture any of it? We do. They've been caught. We've had a our yard is actually covered with um, infrared cameras. So, so you saw. Uh, you can see them. We can see them. Yeah, yeah. We. That's how we know the time. Everything we have. Everything is recorded and and sent to the guard. So yeah, you get their the faces and everything. Morning. No, unfortunately, um, no. I can't give too much information away. Right. But they did have hoods up. That's all I can say at the moment. Isn't that incredible? Oh, the, 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 yeah, well, like we, it's the, the, the cameras we have. Hopefully, now we'll be able to uh, pick up something, items of clothing, something like that. But, I hope um, that those poor old dogs aren't hurt or abused. You know. Oh well, we hope so as well because uh, Margaret, as I said, Margaret is I think, ten years old, so she's a, she's an old girl. Um, oh, that's heartbreaking. No, they're all microchipped. Um, they've all been notified as stolen. And um, they're all registered to ourselves. So if they if they do turn up the, the pictures, like we, we only put up, um, Reggie only went up on the Facebook page yesterday um, that it was available for adoption and then have stolen last night. Okay, well, listen, hopefully so, everything, I, I wish I had more time to deal with this, but the Garda Shikana are on it. Uh, yeah. And there's some things you can't tell us. Hopefully that'll be good news, all right? 
Hopefully, Joe Public. I mean, it's 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 you know, this is the bad side of Facebook. Is as I said, Reggie when only went up yesterday and he was stolen last night. But even if we can use it to get the word out now that these dogs are. Are yeah. stolen from ourselves yeah. and that hopefully we, we can get them back alright my man ok stay in touch then Vincent appreciate the call Vincent Cashman from the CSPCA last bit of business most definitely Red FM Shoptober with Wilton Shopping Centre the witching hour is now upon us <laughs> alright what have I got for you Anita and Podrick from Knocknahini who have I got on the phone is it both of you um, no, just me and Issa. All right, so what's happened this morning? So, my little boy, Jack, he's seven, and when he heard about this October, he was really excited. So he was going mad this morning when he found out the witching hour was between 11 and 12, so he couldn't come with us. So, like, being such cool parents, anyway, we decided to go ourselves this morning. Right. And it was actually my husband, Podrick, who got the, um, the clue right. He thought of the gunpowder in Mill, in Ballincollig and stuff like that. But what about so, the idiot? What, you'd be an idiot not to head west to find a castle. Yeah, Castle West um, Shopping Centre in Ballincollig. Okay. So we put the two of them together because we were like, you know what, no, we'd probably be like two people that would put like castle and in the west of Cork, you know what I mean? But and we so, identifying Ballincollig, Castle yeah. West Shopping Centre, the self-destruct has to do with the gunpowder well, gunpowder. Yeah, well, I can't take the credit now for that, Neil. That was my husband. <laughs> Well done, Padraig. So, out you went. What happened then? So, we we got out and we got the picture of Mr. Price. So, we parked the car by Mr. Price. And we were walking around. And I was kind of, like, embarrassed to ask, like, you know, are you the wealthy witch? Like, but I was like, for 850 euros, I didn't give a care. Chalk it down. <laughs> so, anyway, the two of us were, like, two maniacs running around the whole of Ballincollig. And then the two of us, we went separate ways. <laughs> And I got the new, <laughs> I got the new photograph on Instagram. I had my whole family ringing me. My sister Chanel was ringing me. There's a new one up quick. She's outside here. We were running like two maniacs down the street, <laughs> and we actually met two or three people outside the shopping centre looking for her. And then there was just this girl sitting down, and I was like, you know what? No, yes, I'm just going to ask her. And she pulled the envelope out, and I was like, yeah. What did it say <laughs> in the envelope? Uh, one second, yeah, my husband has it. One second, Audrey. <laughs> One second there, no. <laughs> it was so funny. My small son is going to be so excited well, when if I you don't ask, you don't get. He's going to That's have to be. It, he's going to have to be told. So, I need the message the in the envelope. envelope. Um, a witch never gets caught. Don't forget that she has magic in her fingers and delivery destined in her blood. And well done. And that resulted <laughs> in what? How much did you win? 850 euros. What are you going to give to your son? <laughs> oh, I'll ha- I told him if I find it, I'd half it with him. <laughs> Jack gets half. Oh, and he was like, he was like, Mom, do you know if you find it? And I was like, yeah, will you collect me from school early? <laughs> Go get him. Go get him. He's a winner and you are too. Will, 850 will you, euros. Will you give me the note from for school for the teacher? I say, and a friend of us said he could have a half day. <laughs> yeah, just say he has a dental appointment or something. <laughs> 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 Thanks a million, Eve. I'm delighted Thanks, for guys. you. Congratulations. 850 no euro cash. Bye. Well done, Anita. Bye. Well done, Podrick. And well done, little boy Jack. Stay listening for Red FM's Shocktober. The headache in my head from that Metallica. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.